tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Good morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't uh, cost you anything to make a call, and uh, Emma is looking after the programme today. We're coming to you from our Nina studio today on Pier Street in Nina, and it's great to be back in Nina. Lovely buzz around the town, even at this uh, hour. Coming up on this morning's show, we'll be speaking to Johnny Luby in just a little while. We'll hear about one child's shocking experience of A&E. Our Nina GP, Dr. Pat Harold, will be with us live in studio. We'll be hearing about the St. Vincent de Paul Tip FM Christmas toy appeal. And our Friday panel will unpack the hot topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. Now, you can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Quick look at the headlines, the Irish Times, and they're leading with... uh, the headline state seeks 20,000 holiday homes for our refugees. The government is targeting 20,000 holiday homes under the latest drive to find accommodation for Ukraine war refugees amid concern that local authorities were not rising to the challenge under the previous uh, system. Also on the Times today, new tenants are paying an average rent of €1,464 Euro a month or €17,500 a year, and that's according to the latest Residential Tenancy uh, Board's figures there. To the Irish Independent, and uh, right across the newspapers today, there's uh, the pictures of Tuberty in uh, Christmas jumpers, because, of course, tonight is the toy show, and there's great excitement out there about uh, that. The headline on the Indo, they made me look like an accomplice, and that's referring to Jules Thomas, Ian, Bailey's former partner who uh, is claiming that Netflix uh, suggested uh, that she was involved in some way in Sophie uh, Toscan Duplantier's murder and uh, she is taking on that challenge now at uh, the moment. Uh, Irish Daily Mail O'Brien's new powers to rezone land for housing. A radical new plan will give the housing minister the power to rezone land for social homes. So that's a quick peek at what's making headlines today. Delighted to be joined as usual on a Friday by the great Johnny Luby. Good morning, Johnny. Fine. Well, how's it going? Going very well, Johnny. We're delighted to be in Nina today, a place you know very well, an old stomping ground of yours. That's right, yeah, friend. I, I can't think of the names of the watering holes that I frequented there from time to time, but uh, hey, Nina's one of those wonderful towns. I was delighted to hear you saying that there's a great buzz about the place. There always is in Nina. Fantastic, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, great yeah, great yeah. cafes and restaurants and public houses here and all That's sorts right, of stuff uh, indeed, yeah. And of course, uh, uh, you have some wonderful hollows back through the years. There are Mick Burns of your own, Nina, and, uh, of course, uh, Michael Skippy Cleary. Uh, I think he has a supermarket there, or uh, one of the shops there in Nina. He, he has oh, a toy shop, and, uh, toy shop. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic yeah, well, he business be, as well. He, yeah. he better be open tomorrow early after the toy <laughs> shop. <laughs> I'd say so as well. We have a piece recorded with him, actually, um, that uh, Ali did, and we're putting that out on Monday, where he goes through the toys available for Christmas that Santa might bring this year. So, is Santa, oh, well, were you a good boy this year? Will Santa look after you, yeah. Johnny? 
Yes, and uh, I was big guy, you know, I, I, I certainly was, yeah. I would expect uh, uh, something no more than a bloody hug or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something under the mistletoe or under the Christmas tree, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what I it's mean, all about, for sure. Really, yeah. really, uh, it is for the youngsters, really, and you to see the the uh, delight in their eyes and parents bringing youngsters to meet Santa Claus and grandparents there and they are going through that's what it's all about isn't it we were talking a lot about grandparents uh, during the week Johnny and of course you're a grandparent now Um, you know do you want to join in that conversation for me because a lot of grandparents telling us it's a very special sort of a feeling with uh, grandchildren there, yeah, I have no doubt about it. Uh, absolutely fantastic, uh, I find, there yeah, with the, the kids. I mean, we have eight, eight now, I think, and maybe one more, please God, on the way. So that's uh, nine bread snappers, I call it. Look, they're absolutely fantastic, you know. Uh, they give you a new lease of life and uh, that and of course I was always into sport and now we're bringing the next batch of made or two uh, Kilfeek Rugby Club there or to the Athletics in Dundrum on a Tuesday night it's fantastic to see a hundred youngsters there the Moors run the show in Dundrum yeah. Athletic Club and God it is a fantastic athletic club Please, I just even see if one of the youngsters there, Albert Maher, I think he's probably from around uh, Borland side, where he finished 16th in a field of maybe 400 youngsters under 12 oh. up in Rasvana in Donegal last weekend. It was a marvellous achievement, you know, and uh, that young girls as well, to see them doing the athletics there and people into their 40s, friend. Mm. It's something that you might... Uh, I was going to say take up yourself, but... <laughs> <laughs> you want me to die of a heart attack or something, Johnny? No, I'd put, you in, the tug of war. I'd put you in the tug of war as the income man. <laughs> oh, you see, there's a little dig about the ways again. I'm on a diet, Johnny Louis. I'm on a diet. You won't know me when you see me again. Listen, you were particularly taken with uh, the news that poor old Jackie Cahill, that he's on that uh, list from uh, Mr. Putin. Uh, he's not allowed to travel to Russia. That's right, Chad. About 52 of them. You'd be wondering what in the name of God were we doing sending 52 lads to Russia between lads and lessies and senators and everybody else. But look, yeah. uh, uh, I just see the heading on the stair like uh, where Jackie said uh, uh, he's, Putin is nothing but a tug and a tyrant. Mm. And uh, then uh, Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, says, uh, look, Putin is committing war crimes. And yeah. I'm wondering, uh, has the day come when we seriously have a look of putting the Russian embassy bag and baggage back to Russia. I mean, what have we to gain out of Russia at the moment? Absolutely nothing. Well, Leo, Leo makes the point that, you know, we have some Irish people there at the moment and we need to keep diplomatic lines open, Johnny, so I don't Yeah, know. look, we, we hear all that, but at the same time we turn on the television and we see misfortunate doctors and surgeons inside yeah. in hospitals and they're trying to do operations under torches like coal miners. Yeah. So that yeah. can't be right, uh, the carry-on of all that. And if we did send them back, and, I mean, keep lines of communication. So I don't know if there's anybody even talking to them. <laughs> You know, and we have an Irish embassy over there as well. But yes. uh, look, in all honesty, to call a spade a spade, what difference would it make to us if we sent him bag and package back out of the place? I honestly believe that the time has come when many of the TDs out there would certainly agree with it. We've not well, you, you you need to be very careful now, or you're going to get on this list. And I know that travelling to Russia is a big part of your life, so you want to be careful. <laughs> 
No, friend. I only go to the warm, the real warm climates, like Portugal and places like that. But, what can uh, we, we What can we expect from the guard this weekend? Uh, oh, friend, it, yeah, it's a huge weekend for Tipperary clubs. I mean, tomorrow yeah. Saturday, my one of my favourite pitches is above in Temple Dewey. We have the famous Torres Southfields back in football in a Munster semi-final against Kilmurray of Cork. That's at uh, Munster Junior semi-final, and that's at one o'clock. And then on Sunday at one o'clock, Ballinair travel down to Kilmallock to take on the might of the Napiersig in the intermediate semi-final at one o'clock. And of course, the big one is in Simple Stadium at one o'clock as well, where famed Clamel Commercials, who absolutely gave a new lease of life to GA and Tipperary uh, last weekend when they beat the Cork champions. They now take on Newcastle West, and they're talking about commercials. They won't get caught up in this uh, all this uh, uh, hyper about they being even money favourites to win the Munster Championship and that they will look no further than Newcastle West. And I'd know a couple of the Newcastle West players mm. who are involved in greyhounds and all of that, but especially to the, through the, the rugby scene. And they're a formidable outfit in this uh, county after winning the, the Limerick County Championship. And they will give, the commercials know themselves, they will get talks of it from the uh, Newcastle West. Uh, the match is in uh, Semple Stadium at one o'clock. And look, if you're doing nothing uh, uh, and if you're available, look, they'd love to see everybody go and just to give them the shout on and uh, that would be wonderful to see and the very best I've looked uh, uh, to all of them. And of course, well done to Borla and Duella and Upper Church Trombane mm. on their mid-A and B uh, final wins. There's two strongholds of hurling and they've switched across to the football and uh, the very best I've looked to them. And of course, Fran Inkamogi, Drum and Inch now play uh, Lock Gill Shamrocks in the All-Ireland semi-final on December the 10th and that game is in Ashburton County Meath. Uh, the Camogie has gone very, very strong in Tipperary, as we've spoken about from time to time. And I see they have a formidable outfit, again, in charge of them for uh, uh, next year. Uh, like, they're there or thereabouts, Tipperary uh, senior uh, Camogie ladies. And uh, maybe a small bit of luck might just get them uh, maybe to an All-Ireland semi-final or final. But certainly, they'll be one of the strong powers this coming year. And, of course, in the rugby, Ireland beat Australia last yeah. weekend. I didn't think it was a great game of rugby. Mm. I thought it was all stop, start, everything else. And I mean, how this bear can operate and a referee lets play go on for maybe uh, a minute and you, uh, some big fella be after running run into yourself or, or, or myself and uh, maybe a minute later the referee gets a call or that was a high tackle and here you have to go back. It's all stop, start in rugby. And the same thing in soccer as well with this bear. You're two inches beyond the line. I don't know how they happen to play World Cups for the last number of years and get all them things out of the way. But last weekend for ourselves, in Kilpeakin were beaten in the All-Ireland quarter-final down five players through injury and uh, as a result we're only beaten three points but it was uh, disappointing but this weekend of course friend that big local derby Kilfeekel and Clam William is on on two o'clock on Sunday on the hill in Kilfeekel so we welcome the Clam William lads out with open arms and uh, that so don't be any hugging or anything like that but nevertheless <laughs> <laughs> and of course another big game is uh, a derby game is in Division 2 where yes. Feddert, who are absolutely flying, they have to travel away to Carrick on shore and uh, they'll earn their cross down there. Carrick are a, a top-class outfit and the best of luck uh, to both teams there. And of course, friend, it's like everything else. Uh, I see where... Uh, 
just on the radio this morning and he's dead right, uh, Martin Brown, to be calling for more funding for mm. the uh, the animal homes. Yeah. Uh, when you see the uh, 120 million unclaimed in money in the lot of funding and seemingly uh, about 70 million goals of that goes on advertising, you'd wonder about this gambling industry and all of that. And I have no doubt that if the, uh, uh, the housing homes of, from the, the dogs uh, got more money, uh, it would be brilliant. Because a dog is like, we we'll say, the wife. A dog is no, for life. No, no you're not going is... to get me into trouble now, Johnny, oh, are you? <laughs> I'm just going to say a dog is for life and the wife is for stop, life. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Listen, lots coming in here for you. Will you say hello to Johnny Breen? Um, because Johnny seemingly is a big fan of yours and it's his birthday today. You, oh, my God, the great Johnny Breen, yes. Oh, you know Johnny, do you? I, yeah. I do, yeah. I think I do anyway. But, you yeah. know, friend, uh, yesterday uh, I was in Tullus Race and the amount of people that was asking his friend Corey around... Friend, you're a bloody legend. Oh, I am. <laughs> In my own lunchtime, I'm around. Listen, we want to remember somebody as well, Johnny, because, and I'm sure you know, knew uh, Rody Kennedy. Did you have oh, Rear Cross? Oh, yeah, friend. Yeah. You know, I was trying to... Uh, he was only 62, you know, a massive loss to the village. Yeah, yeah. friend, you know, a huge loss, you know, and especially yeah. up there when I say up in the hills, I'm saying that in the most friendliest of terms. Of course, the nicest yeah. people you ever met there across from Upper Church, Drumband, straight across to, I call it Sean Tracy country and on up to Newport. Wonderful people. I, we, we done a Skype there last year uh, when uh, Clonalty Ross Moore won the uh, County Junior B. We called into Kendy's, we called into the Rising Sun, McCormack's, we finished up in Ryan Rose. And pubs, she yeah. wouldn't leave she wouldn't leave the pub. Well we wouldn't leave the pub until she sang. <laughs> and friend, she didn't sing for nine years, but she gave it a right rendition. Uh, and that, brilliant, but of brilliant. course, friend, uh, uh, in the soccer, of course, we have soccer morning, noon, and night now. But one would have to admire whether you like him or don't like him. You'd have to say Ronaldo to play in five World Cup. Uh, uh, mm. game uh, years or we say over the 20 year period to play in five World Cups and to score in each one mm. I mean last night he scored a penalty whether it was a penalty or not is immaterial but he did score and of course with Brazil we saw probably the goal of the tournament I believe that was out. amazing Johnny yeah, everybody's uh, talking about that today I didn't yeah, see it but it's, yeah, yeah. It, uh, he got a ball just uh, uh, that uh, another soccer one of his mates uh, tipped with the outside of his foot and it came straight across and uh, he just somersaulted and buried wow. it inside the back of the net. Uh, wow. you w- now, definitely you wouldn't see it in junior B football. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I suppose, yeah. 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 Listen, will you, will you say hello to the Belly Bacon Grange minor ladies? They are in the county final in the rag on Sunday. They're against Shannon Rovers there. And another big fan of yours. What is this? Big fans of yours. I don't like this, John. Uh, Claire, Claire Roach from Caricature is a big fan of yours and wants uh, you to say hello to her as well. Oh, so. God, I, listen, and, and if I'm down in Carrick on Sunday, I, I will be at the match, Claire, and make yourself known because I like to get my photo taken uh, for two reasons uh, uh, with a well-known girl as number one and secondly to make my my, my wife jealous 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be delighted to get rid of you. And say, the Munster final between Ross Gray and Monoline as well uh, brought oh, yeah, to Cork. What, what's Johnny's opinion on that, they're saying? Oh, yeah, Fran, uh, look, I'm absolutely delighted, uh, like everybody else in Tipperary, that uh, Ross Gray are back in the limelight again, it's, or in the spotlight, or call it what you like. It's wonderful for them. They seem to have a magnificent uh, uh, panel of players. Their mm. coach is well clued in, and with the way they disposed uh, uh, of the opposition last week after coming from maybe three or four points behind at half time. It is fantastic for Tipperary holding now when we need uh, players to stand up and be counted. Uh, that Ross Gray would have a, a couple of players uh, uh, to uh, give to the panel of party players that we have already. Because talking to many of the the good players out there. Uh, yeah. We certainly need players to come through for Liam yeah. Kyle. You know, he has most of uh, 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 Mr. Bonnell's uh, panel of players last year. And uh, I suppose, whether I'm listening to JJ Kennedy there on Tip FM, whether they'll concentrate on the league or not, I don't know. But they'll certainly take each game as it comes to try and improve the standards in Tipperary. Because uh, at the end of the day, we're going to find it very hard uh, again. Because, it, we're, look, t- I often say it, Tipperary like Man United. Whether they're good or bad, everybody loves to beat them. And uh, it is a, a notch on their uh, on their uh, rope that they can uh, that they have beat Tipperary. But yeah. I have no doubt that Liam Kyle will have them uh, in top class order. But friend, I, without mentioning shops or anything else, I mean mm. the council are having a meeting this morning uh, there at ten o'clock. I'm when yes. I gather on Tip FM, and I would just say that I'm not a spokesman for anything else. But when you see a, an ordinary shop friend in a, a village that mm. this time last year their ESB bill was three thousand seven hundred for two months, and now it's nine thousand four hundred. Mm. Isn't it impossible for them shops to keep going? I it's mean, very, from, very difficult. And and we're talking about a possible uh, rise in the rates as well, and that's what's that's, being discussed today. You know, and, so, you and know, that's yeah. what I would say, like, that if we could uh, just give them all a chance. I mean, friend, there's a service station there that you know quite well, and their ESB is almost 1,000 per day. Right. Per day. Yeah. I know, I know. I mean, like, we're, myself included, we're all giving out about the prices of uh, things and the whole lot. But we have to take this on board, you know, and then the price of the pint has gone up, Fran, as well. Oh, I that's mean, really bad. Yeah, but Fran, when you look at a gallon of milk at roughly uh, €3.50, right. and you look at a gallon of petrol at give or take €10, euro, mm. and you look at a gallon of porter, give or take €40, euro, <laughs> Now, how far will you go on a gallon of porter? I'd say out to the jacks, a quick piddle, and back in. I'm calling friend the shots. I love and it. This, the, there's a row brewing, Johnny. Uh, one of our listeners says, Feck Ronaldo, what about the um, <laughs> what about the Mulnahone ladies in the All-Ireland semi-final this Sunday, Johnny Luby? Fran, I was looking through the fixtures and I didn't see them down as a fixture and that's why I didn't know whether I should talk about the Mulnahone ladies this week or next week. Oh, do you hear him but trying I'm to a, talk his way out I'm, of this? I'm though. not. I'm, I'm like a yeah. well-known TD, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. your way out of it. I know, but, I know. But, uh, Fran, uh, yeah, look, the very, hey, the very best of luck to the Mulnahone. Ladies, and indeed, uh, we'll say uh, they're down there in South Tipperary and 
keeping the flag flying. And Tipperary ladies football is fair strong as well. And it would have been stronger this year only for the injuries to certain top class players, you know. And then we see some of the Tipperary top ladies and they're playing outside in uh, Australia in the rules. Uh, oh, it's brilliant, yeah. yeah. It, it's absolutely fantastic. But, uh, Fran, uh, just to say, look, uh, with the way it is gone at the moment, uh, respect for the referees. I mean, Fran, I don't know would I be a referee now. I mean, if I was and somebody were shouting, I mean, I'd just take the whistle out of the mouth. I'd walk straight home and say, listen, you do it. <laughs> you know, because they're getting no respect, Fran. And like the game of rugby, even for example, it's almost impossible when you listen to some of the commentators. They don't even have a clue either. They just chant the arm and say he went in from the side and uh, it was a, a, a high tackle. And uh, we all know what high tackles are. But, and we all know what crooked lineouts are. But in, in all sport now, the thing has changed. Uh, even down to the game of hurling, the hand passing, we, we don't agree on uh, uh, on that. Did yeah, he throw it or did he hand pass? Whatever it is. It's the but most thankless, difficult job, uh, Johnny. Uh, listen, I have to, I have to finish up soon. But what about Black Friday? Will you be online oh, yeah. all day buying bargains and? Uh, friend, I don't. That's another gimmick. Anyway, listen, friend. There's yes. a more important thing than that. There? There's a man <laughs> called. What time is it now exactly? It's uh, twenty-seven minutes past. Oh now. yes, right. Canalty National School above should be tuned in now. Uh-huh. Uh, this morning they were tuning Good. in at 20 past 9 right. because there's a great guy there a principal t- Mr. Tommy O'Brien mm-hmm. uh, principal there for 33 years he's from around Tip Town or that area you probably know Tommy well to see him sure a, a landmark in mm. uh, Clonality Ross Moor and uh, my granddaughter Lucy, when they were saying that they're having retirement for him on Wednesday next, for the people of Clonolty and Rossmore who are listening, uh, on Wednesday next, Tommy retires. So they asked uh, uh, people would they put out the word, and my the granddaughter Lucy, she's there, she put her hand and she said, "My granddad Johnny Luby is on the radio. Will I get him to say it?" <laughs> <laughs> Miss Kelly said, "I love it." Do yeah. So I have to finish with a few lines. I said, "I met a man I've known a long time." The principal of Clonality, one Mr. Tommy O'Brien. On Wednesday next, he retires, it's true. Good health on retirement, we all wish you. For 33 years, Tommy has taught here. Now that he's going, all will shed a tear. Tommy, they say, enjoy your rest. For all of us, you are the best. My granddaughter Lucy says, you shall miss. On Wednesday next, she might give you a kiss. Uh, One of our friends, Bonnie, says Mr. O'Brien is top class. Bonnie is Eamon the Butcher's granddaughter. She's a lovely lass. So, Tommy, I've no doubt you're tuned in. Uh, You're a man that, I was going to say, hugged limelight, but he's the exact opposite. He'd be mortified this morning. But, look, the very best. I might get Andrew Luby knows him well. I might get Andrew to ring him on Wednesday morning next, uh, going for the last time to a national school. It's a long time, isn't it? 33 years. Isn't it? Isn't it fantastic, though? Well Uh, done to Tommy. All right, Johnny, you look after yourself, and you better start making it up to the Mulnahone ladies, because they're they're getting angry. They're getting cross. It's gone past the joke at this point. I can't go and see him because on Sunday, on Sunday next but uh, I'll certainly look I'll I'll give him a, a, a bit of a, a dig I'll go to them please God when they get to the All-Ireland final 
Yeah, right, <laughs> right there you are now. Right, Johnny, good morning to you. Look Thank after you. yourself. Thanks, and thanks, thanks very much, dear. That's a great Johnny Luby uh, with us today, as usual, on a Friday. Hello and happy birthday to lovely Mary Lynch. She's a great friend of the shows, and uh, she's celebrating a birthday over this weekend. And uh, she brought in some fab goodies for us from the country market this morning as well. All right, we'll take a break. We're back with more. We're live from Nina. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We are live from the Tip FM studio here on Pier Street in Nina, 1800 938 007. Connor joins me now. Good morning to you, Connor. And good to talk to you today. Connor, what a story this is. Will you tell me about your daughter? Because this is just going to shock people, I think, out there. Tell me tell me what happened, Connor. Sure. So my daughter woke up one Sunday morning and she had a very sore ear. Um to the point now where it was really bad for her to complain. It must have been it must have been serious. So being Sunday morning, obviously the GP wasn't open, so we phoned CareDoc and we phoned them continuously for an hour until finally somebody answered. Um, and then they finally agreed to give us an appointment and we got an appointment for two hours later in Clamel. So we headed off for Clamel. Uh, we saw the doctor. Um, he just glanced at her ear and said, OK, it's a very bad infection. Um, I'm going to have to prescribe you some antibiotics. He said, because it's so bad, it'll probably take two days before it'll actually take effect. So... My daughter was in such agony at this stage, she was getting quite upset at the prospect of having to suffer this for another two days. So we said, look, the alternative is um, probably better off going to A&E and see what they can do for you. So we, we kind of made the decision at that stage, look, we go to A&E and see if they can help our situation. Uh, because so we're, we're such pain at this stage and all she was taking yes. was paracetamol. Right, but you're making the point, Connor, that Clonmel Hospital doesn't have an ear, no, nose and throat department. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the dilemma. So we got referred to Clamell A and E, knowing that Clamell doesn't have uh, an ENT specialist or department uh, in in the hospital itself. So we were kind of going, going into a system that wasn't really fit for purpose at that stage because we weren't supposed to be there. Right. So what happened when you did get there then? So when we got there, we were seen quite quickly. <clears throat> uh, all the details were taken the standard health questionnaires to assess the situation and we had some bloods taken. Mm. Um, we were told that it's Sunday so the lab turnaround time is slower which we'd expect um, and they said probably takes maybe two hours to get results back. So we said fine. Uh, in this short period of time then we actually a trolley came available so my daughter was given a trolley and we were moved out to the corridor say uh, in the queue. So a and E was pretty packed at this stage. I mean, every bed and cubicle was full. The car doors were lined with trolleys. I mean, there was people in various illness there, um, and then there was ourselves. So we we sat and we waited and we waited and we waited. Um, I mean, the, there was a, a bare minimum of skeleton staff there, and the mm. nurses run off their feet. Um, so it was very hard to get their attention. Um, so we. I kept asking and asking, I said, could the doctor just see us so we can actually make the decision if we need to go to Waterford who do have an ENT specialist and, and department? Yes. And, and wasn't getting any hot at all from, from the nurse who said she's raised the, the doctor and that we're waiting for feedback. 
Right. And how long were you, were you waiting at this point? So this was about three hours uh, since we, we had the blood taken. Um, th- we were told that the results had come back, but the nurse couldn't read them. It could only be the doctor. And the doctor was otherwise engaged. Now, you were, she, she, your daughter was in dreadful pain at this point. Was she offered medication of any kind, Connor? Was she offered painkillers? or No, no. We actually refused painkillers because the nurse didn't want to give them until the doctor had seen her. So we were sitting there on the corridor and really noisy corridor for, for three hours at this stage and uh, no sign of painkiller. Right, and her ears, needless to say, were very fragile at this point and a lot of noise going on. And you described those trolleys bringing the tea and stuff, that it was extremely distressing for her. Absolutely. I mean, the trolleys that they were using were the solid wheels trolleys, like plastic wheels, like the caster. So they rattle like hell. Um, and you can hear the trolley coming from one end of the corridor right down to the other. So by the time I actually reached her, the rattling of cups and saucers and metal teapots clunking, and it was it was a really a, a rat. I mean, for people who weren't ill, it was a racket. So uh, my daughter's ears were so sensitive. I mean, she was actually at the point where there was tears running down her face from oh the my God. agony of the noise. It was it was horrendous to just look that this happened. And right. other people, I mean, the people were trying to sleep on the trolleys on the side of the bed. I mean, the blankets pulled up over their heads trying to sleep. I mean, it's it's so inhumane. I mean, <laughs> I would actually and happen. undignified, I suppose, as well, uh, Connor. She finally got to see a doctor. But tell me about how he examined her, because I'm fascinated at this. <laughs> um, so we, we were finally seen by, by the doctor. Um, on, he was in no extreme rush, to be honest, uh, when he finally slouched up to us. And the doctor went through the standard questions again of do you have history of headaches and blah, 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 and all the medical history. And then um, proceeded to take out his phone. I said, we're going to see some advanced technology now. Um, The doctor then turned on the torch on his phone and shone the torch into my daughter's ear. He used his naked eye to look and said, oh, yeah, it's infected. Turned off the torch and then... uh, well, you knew, you knew, you knew this hours earlier that there was an infection. <laughs> this was the point. I mean, I, we, I, we reached a point of just ultimate frustration of saying, could he just make the call that we either need to go to Waterford or we don't need to go to Waterford, and then we'll know if we need to sit and stay. But we're just in this place of just limbo where they couldn't look at us, they wouldn't look at us, and then we didn't know if they did look at us, would we have to go to Waterford? I mean, five or six and the the years. irony is that they offered you admission for your daughter, but why would you have her admitted to a place that doesn't have the expertise? <laughs> this is the challenge. I mean, the, the doctor, I'm not sure, was really thinking at this stage because we. I think the easy answer was to offer us admission, but I mean, I think that was maybe just to get rid of us and get us out of his hair to, to solve the situation. So what happened? Did you finally get to Waterford then? No. Um, he prescribed us antibiotics the exact same antibiotics that CareDoc had prescribed. And we were sent home with a referral letter to the ENT specialist in Waterford. Um, my daughter had started taking the, the medication. And we, we did see an improvement, to be fair. Um, and about two days, it was getting better. And then on the third day, it actually was flared back up again. And it was as bad as ever. And she was back in agony. So we phoned um, Waterford. Uh, uh, hospital and told them explain the situation. We've got the central referral. We've had we've been to Clonmelany, um, and we we want to come come down to you guys because it's actually getting worse. 
So and then, what happened then? Did you get to see somebody finally? Uh, no. Uh, Waterford Hospital kindly asked us to post them down the letter, so not even to scan it or email it, so post it to them. And they said that the letter would then be reviewed by the consultant, and if it's an emergency, we get an appointment within three to six months. And if it wasn't an emergency, we get an appointment in three to four years' time. Oh my, my God! But but your daughter was so distressed and in pain and absolutely. I mean, this is this is farcical. I, mean, I can't tell you on air what I said when we had that conversation. I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. But but you're kind enough to feel sorry for the frontline staff, like the nurses who are stuck in the middle of this. But you're not as kind about the doctors. I'm gathering. Not really. No. I mean, the, the nurses are in a very difficult position. I mean, they're, they're the middlemen in all this. They're, they're dealing with the patients, and then they're, they're the messenger back to the back to the doctor. Um, but from what I saw, the, the doctor and nurses, they didn't even know each other's names. So I don't know the name of the doctor who I saw in, in, in Clamell Hospital. I have no idea. And the nurses didn't even know his name. Um, and the doctors, they didn't seem particularly rushed. Um, the person who came to see us, the doctor, I mean, he was walking around the hospital. He wasn't rushing around like you see in some of the TV programs and glamorous ER rooms. It was very, very calm today, so I get to it when I get to a sort of approach. And Connor, you described it as a shambles of a system with dysfunction at its very core. Yes. It has oh. to. That's the only way I could, could really describe it. I mean, you, you've got a situation where the, the frontline staff, who in my eyes are the nurses, being the minority, and you've got more people then like porters and admin staff, cleaners, caterers, and everything else who've been the majority. And surely in, any, in a healthcare system, that should be the other way around. Majority should be the nurses uh, who are supposed to be the, the caregivers for the patients. The irony, I suppose, is that, you know, we've introduced the word university into what was St. Joseph's uh, Hospital at Clonmel. Um, it's a teaching hospital now. What, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I have to laugh, to be honest, Fran. I, I, that you, the standard in the Clonmel Hospital is not at university level, or if it is, our universities are doomed. The, the fact that Clonmel Hospital couldn't even deal with a simple ear infection, how would they deal with something complex? I mean, how would you deal with things like uh, cancer care or complex heart problems? I mean, if we can't even look at an ear infection and, and, and get it right. And you're of the belief at this point that we need proper centres of excellence, which was that term bandied around all those years ago. Um, you, you, you're wondering, in fact, about the use of a hospital like Clonmel. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how much effort have local communities put into saving hospitals and keeping hospitals local when this is the standard of care that we get from that? I mean, yeah. money has just been poured into the HSE and, and the health system. And what are we getting for? And from the experience that you had, Connor, that of you and your family, is it top-heavy with admin staff, for example? From what we saw on the night, it was, or on the day, it absolutely was. I mean, the priority was not the nurses and doctors. It was more the, the other category of staff. And what about your daughter now, Connor? How is she? Uh, she's suffering. Um, when we went to Washford, she was diagnosed with a perforated eardrum. And we were told that the antibiotics we were given actually made the pain even worse. So, oh, my God. <laughs> not taking them. So we're on the road to recovery. 
but it, the whole experience of Clumwell Hospital left a very frustrated, bitter taste in our mouth. Well, Connor, it's the most incredible story, and thank you so much for, for sharing with us, and we wish your daughter the, the very best. Thanks for coming on with us, Connor. Thanks, Frank. Thank, thank you, and good morning to you. There's uh, one family's experience of... Um, Hospital A&E and all of that. What do you think about that? 1800-938-007. We'll speak to Dr. Pat Harold in just a few moments. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today, coming to you from Pier Street in Nina today. Big reaction to Connor's uh, chat with me there, and I'll bring you some details on that in just a little while. But in the meantime, delighted to welcome Dr. Pat Harold to the studio. Pat, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are things in lovely Nina? Ah, lovely Nina's always lovely. It's great. Isn't yeah. it just? We're getting isn't? ready for the toy show, and Absolutely, the lights are yeah. coming on soon. And you're, oh. So you're a Christmassy type, are you? I'm very Christmassy. Are you? I love Christmas. It's great. She's only What should we do? Oh, gee, I love it myself. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Healthy eyes, Pat, and keeping our eyes healthy. Yeah, I thought of this because I met an old friend of mine um, called Katrina Costigan, and she's an eye doctor in Castlebar. Yeah. She's a Tumi Varigar. And we got talking about eyes and things like that, and she, she, there's a few things to keep your eyes. You know, your eyes are amazingly sensitive, wonderful things, and they really are worth looking after. But she was saying a load of people this Christmas are going to get um, phones and iPads and all this kind of stuff, yes. and they're all at factory settings, which means they're like the laser, you know, on a, on a you could land a jumbo jet by them, and we're looking at these all the time. So the minute you get them, what you do is you go into brightness and settings and things and turn them down to make them eye-friendly, because half the people in Ireland have dry eyes at this stage and it, you know it's, it's because of that mainly because of looking at screens all the wow. time because when you look at a screen you don't blink very often you see when I'm talking to you we blink 15 times a second you're doing it <laughs> but anyway but if you're looking at a screen you don't and your eyes dry out and oh. also kids get these headaches because there's two muscles pointing at the screen they always have the screen too close you know always like because it's the way you hold it yeah. so um, and your eyes are looking at the same point all the time now if you think if you try to hold something in your hand hold it up for you know if it's something really light after half an hour it'll be killing you it's the same with your eyes you know they're not meant to be holding the same point so even if it works something like you're doing now um, looking at screens and things yeah. it's such a good idea every hour to go and look out the window. Absolutely. Just, because you just remind me, there's a big glare, as you can see, off the screens here in front of me now. Oh, yeah. but we, I didn't even think about that. Well, you can set them to... You could actually, for somebody who's working at them all day, every day, if you had a job, I don't know, as a it's software, you can get blue-ray glasses. And they're like sunglasses for working on screens. And um, they're for the professionals. But the other thing is, but most of us this time of the year, when we've um, been sitting looking at our screens all day, we get into the car and if you have a commute, and if you put the blow the blower in the car, the, what do you call it? The, I know. I the know thing, if it's pointing at your face, it's like putting a hairdryer to your eyes. So your eyes, which have already dried out, are getting an extra thing. So you always have the heat point. And that was the thing that you missed it, you know. Yeah. Have the, feet, the heat pointing at your feet. Which brings me on to another thing for the car. Um, uh, you know, you should always go to the optician. And, but you, every time you go to the optician, you don't need new glasses. Mm. You know, I mean, I think I have the same glasses for six years or something. They're, they're not fashionable, you know. They're, they're, but, you know, I, my eyes haven't changed that much that I need yeah. them. But when you get a new pair of glasses, always put the old pair in the car, in the dash box. Because 
especially if you wear lenses or something, if you break your glasses, step in them, lose them, something. I think it's a legal requirement in, in some Scandinavian countries. They, if they pull you up and you wear glasses, do you have glasses in the glove box? You have to have a spare. You have to have a spare. And it makes sense. And yeah, especially if you get something in your eye and you have to go to the hospital and get it out and you've one eye covered, you're a liability in the road. Mm. You're lethal because mm. you can't, you haven't accommodated. And I know you'd be saying, well, I know fellas with one eye and they're driving all their lives because that's because they've learned how to do it. They're like the rugby player in Italy who lost his eye. It took him a couple of years, but he got back into it. But if you just put a patch, if you close one eye and try to make a cup of tea, you, mm. you won't get too far. So... um you should always have the glasses in the car, yeah. turn down the settings. And the third most important point is if you've diabetes, you'll be offered a thing called retinal screening. And the retina are the fine vessels at the back of your eye. And it's a nationwide thing. They bring you along and they take a photograph at the back of your eye. And it's a really deep photograph. If you took a photograph of the floor, it would look at the carpet and the felt and the underlay and the planks underneath, the whole lot. It looks right through the back of your eye. And it it, it sees, are those little vessels foreign up and are they getting damaged? But not only does it give you an idea of what's going on in your eye with the diabetes, your whole health, all the little vessels in your kidneys, your feet and everything. Because if your eyes are fine, the rest of you is going to be fine. But if they're start, if you get, if it says something like background retinopathy, mm. the, the vessel changes have started. And, um, you know, you want to be keeping a track of that. That's so anyone with diabetes and the people with medical cards, are always being sent because they, they, they could rock up twice a year. Was the people with diabetes who don't, you know, and they, they, um, they might see somebody every couple of years in a clinic. They don't think to book in and you book yourself for ret diabetes retinal screening. If you just get the die, you don't even have to be in tablets or anything, but just if you're at that threshold and, um, you log in and you, you know, they're, you're called for it and you're called mm. every year. It's completely painless, just a photograph. It's interesting. Years ago, years, I don't know, 12 years ago, I think it was, I, I had digital or laser surgery to correct yeah. uh, short-sightedness. And my eyes were never the same since. It, like, I can see perfectly, yeah. but they've been dry since. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, you, you need know? to put something in, Frank. Yeah. Especially at night, you know, the drops that you put in. And um, there's various things as well. But um, especially with your job, you know, yeah. sitting looking at screens I all know, the time. Yeah. So um, you, now you, you can get him at a... <laughs> just the screen. Yeah. I think I Don't won't. go at it yourself. No, she'll do it. Uh, so. Absolutely, yeah. But but you can get drops uh, too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and they're absolutely lovely. And um, and I'm the same age as you. And that's um, when we. I I and my last eye test, I um, because I wear lenses, I get mm. um, a test every year at least. Right. And she, she said you just get a little bit dry at the back, so she's popping in at night. You know, um, that's that'll sort of lubricate them and have them fine for the morning. And of course, if you're a lens wearer, you know, that's the thing we always forget. You put them in in the daytime, but you can't really wear them all day. You know, right. if you come home at tea time, you take them off and wear the glasses for watching telly or yeah. whatever, or yeah. whatever else you're at. Sounds sound sensible indeed. So that's uh, healthy eyes. We need to look out for it, if you'll forgive the pun. RSV, Pat, will you talk to me a bit about this? Because the HSE... Uh, over the last week, um, advising grandparents maybe not to spend as much time with the grandchildren because they're afraid of this infection spreading. What will you will you pronounce it properly for me? Because I was making a bags of it. Well, what I, is it? I'm not sure. I've been saying it for years. I don't know if I got it right. Respiratory syncytial virus. Well, okay. RSV. And um, now my pal Scott Walken, who's um, an expert in the ICGP, um, he's he's a real scientist, you know. And most GPs on the ground don't really 
you know, it's a, it's a snotty runny nose and there's always something going mm. on. And if I go in on the Monday and I see kids and they might have red ears and a runny nose and that's what you'll see for the whole week and then the pattern changes. Red ears? I, I just make an oh, example right. or they might have a red nose or yes, a tongue. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, there, there's always some sort of a virus and they go. Now the thing is, for usually these kids at six months, until you're six months old, you're on your mother's immunity. You've got the same immunity system as her. And then it starts, it's like Harry Potter. You're on the power of your mother's magic. And after, and if you're breastfed, you really are getting it. And then your immunity goes down after six months and you have to, you have to sort of get these infections to build up your own immune system. Um, now you wouldn't go out of your way to get them, but this is, this is the way it works. And, um, because kids were basically didn't meet anyone. They were wrapped up for two years. Now you're seeing all the toddlers are getting these things because they didn't get them when they were six yes. months old. And it's the runny nose and the temperature and the whole shebang, you know, and it's, it's basically, there's no, there's no tablet for it. There's antibiotics don't help. It's a virus. You know, you'd nearly know a viral looking child. It's the snotty nose and the kind of the red eyes and things mm. like that. Now, um, you should always know the signs of meningitis which are like, they're there, you know, sick and the rash and the, the light hurts their eyes and things. Um, this is actually where grandparents were probably brought into the thing because an experienced parent, yeah. or, or, you know, the natural thing is you get the mother to yeah. think yeah, what you think, you know, is this, all, um, and, you know, if they do go and have a look at the child, feel, yeah, I think we all know about wearing masks and keeping things. Mm. And um, it's it's just, there's a bit of a leap in it at the moment. You know, right. there are an awful Are you seeing that yourself? Well, you, you we don't it? see a lot of them, to be honest, yeah. because they're, you know, um, uh, it's it's difficult to give advice over the phone, but we do it. And we see the kids if we have to see them, mm. and there's no way about it. Well, you know, you always have to remember... Um, COVID hasn't gone away, yeah. you know, and you still need to get the antigen tests done because I don't know, every day of the week I get somebody and I say, well, you just do it and yeah. positive. And because we seem to be hearing about it again over the last couple of weeks that it seems to be making a another um, oh, it's there, entry. yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it never really went away in, in our world, you know, we, we just hear about them and, um, you know, thanks be to God, you know, the Omicron and between the Omicron and the vaccines, it's it's generally not as dangerous, but right. it's um, it's still bubbling under there. Somebody wants to know, actually two people want to know, um, the, the name of the drops for the eyes with uh, dry eyes. There's various ones now. I, I don't really want you, to endorse one yeah. over the other, you know. But your pharmacist will. Your pharmacist it. or your optician are, will tell you ones. And there's ones that are particularly for nights and one for the day. But you know what? It's lovely. They're lovely and soothing. And if you wear lenses, you can wear them too. I, I just, anything I would get like that, I'd try to keep um, any kind of preservatives and perfumes and things to a minimum. Okay. But they're they're... You know, if 50% of the people in the country have dry eyes, you know. Right. What do you think of the spray stuff that you're being yeah. told about on advertising? There are on? sprays as well. Yeah. 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 Um, they, you I prefer don't drops? I don't know. I don't yeah. mind. You know, I yeah. mean, I, even though I was told to do it, I was started doing it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, heal thyself. That's all it. That. Yeah. Pat, it's always good to see you. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Take very care, much Pat. indeed. That's our GP, Dr. Pat Harold, with us live in Nina today. We're here in uh, Pierce Street. So news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
Welcome back to Tip Today. We're coming to you live from Pier Street in Nina. And it's great to be back and meeting all my old friends around this part of uh, the world. Um, there is an A&E for ear, nose and throat in Waterford that you can just present yourself there uh, for the future. Uh, where that man's daughter is concerned and that's making reference to Connor who spoke to me just before 10. Another listener says if you have an ear problem go to Waterford A&E not Clanmel you're just wasting your time. We learned the hard way with our special needs son. Somebody else saying the same thing happened with my husband. He had something wrong with his eye. He gave seven hours and then he was told you have to go to Waterford. They don't have an eye specialist and nothing they could do but to Two days later, we got a bill for €100. Euro. So there you go. Um, somebody else telling me Waterford is a centre of excellence where this is concerned. And uh, somebody else making the point, I understand Connor's problem with the hospital, but it has not got an ENT expert there. As for cancer care, I had my chemo in Atlan Mill, and it's a brilliant service within the hospital, and the staff are just amazing. As for porters and catering, they're all very important in the hospital to keep patients fed and bring patients for x-rays and scans. But uh, this comes from a grateful patient. And that's into us on 83 311 Now, the Midwest Hospital Campaign uh, launched a survey on surveymonkey.com on the 16th of this month. And for more on this, I'm glad to be joined now in the studio by Tanya DeVito McMahon. Good morning to you, Tanya. Good morning, friend. And it's good to see you. And just to add as well, of course, you are a member of Nina Needs and A&E. And we'll chat about that in a moment, uh, too. But tell me about the survey, first of all. So the survey we launched actually on the, the 10th, the 10th of November. So it's just over two weeks. And we wanted to find out of uh, people in the Midwest who've had to use uh, the emergency department in Newbell. We wanted to find out their experiences and present it uh, to, 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 to the petition board where we have our petition to reinstate the A&E in Nina, Ennis and St. John's in Limerick to alleviate the overcrowding in UHL. Uh, and just on that, today, the 25th, there's actually 53 people waiting on trolleys in UHL, 10 of the ten on wards, which is they're on a ward, but they're either on a trolley or a chair. So there's 63 in total wow. waiting, um, which is we, we've actually, they've actually, they're in at number one. Number two is Letter County with 57 and Cork University Hospital. Uh, they're in at 50. And there's actually, there was a, an article on the Crumlin's Children's Hospital uh, this morning and uh, there was something going on there today, but there's actually 12, sorry, 14 uh, waiting on trolleys. So I'm presuming they're children because it's a children's hospital. So 14 children waiting on trolleys. So we did the survey. There is 20 questions on the survey. Um, if they're pretty generic. What part are you from? Uh, when did you have to go to the A&E? And then we get down to the nitty gritty. How long did you have to wait for? Uh, how soon were you seen? Things like that. Just so this, it literally takes and, two minutes to and do. And you've had some response so far. To yeah, you. we've can, had. Can you indicate what people are saying? Um, it makes for very frightening read. Um, so just, I'll go through the negative and the positives. But one of the questions was, do you think the Minister for Health is doing a good job? So, yes, 3.17% and no, 96.83%. Wow. So, do you think management at UHL are doing a good job? So, yes, 11.11% and no, 88.89%. So, you can see where this is going. It's okay? very damning, isn't it? So, very, yes, very damning. But this is, this is, it's all been damning since the HICWA report. Everything is damning. We all know the state of UHL hospital. So, a few of the, um, I'll give you the positive 
aspects first because mm. there's only two of them. Okay. Now, so far we've had 368 responses. So we're, the, why I'm here today is we're urging people in Tipperary to do the survey. It takes two minutes. We need the information. That's what we need. Right, because uh, the survey covers obviously Clare as well. Clare, so, yeah. Tipperary and Limerick, okay. yeah. Yeah. So the, the the take up has been slow and temporary, but we need to we need to find out. There's no point you giving out to somebody on Facebook or someone at home if you know somebody or you've been in hospital or your friend or any of your family members. Right. Come you, and do you the survey. You want their experience. We want your experience. Okay. It doesn't matter. We want the truth. We don't want. We want the truth. So uh, these are two of the positive um, experiences that. It, it, it was it was like duplicated through all all the um, all through the survey so the nurses they're, they're professional and caring uh, words like that and then the second positive was leaving the emergency department just so going home just going home just going home just leaving so it, what came about it as well through all the responses well it seems to be that a lot of elderly people and have been left over 24 hours on chairs or trolleys in the emergency departments. Um, I'll just read out a few, if that's okay, a few little negative aspects. So so here's one. The weight. Uh, I was in severe pain and my appendix ruptured, causing infection, resulting in a two-week stay in hospital instead of a few days. Uh, No call button and being threatened by a mentally unwell patient who had a lighter in his hand and I was on oxygen. Uh, Fran, listen, reading it, do you know what? This would make uh, a great Netflix documentary. We're all watching Dharma and all the Dharma tastes. This is your Netflix documentary here. Go in and find out what's going on in UHL because it'll scare the life out of you. Uh, the overcrowding and amount of people on chairs and trolleys. Having to stay in a chair for 18 hours before I got a trolley. Overcrowding, no privacy. No one told us there was over 20 hours waiting. Felt so undignified in there, no privacy. Needs to expand Nina and Ennis hospitals. Another one, I was three days in a trolley where I was exposed to COVID and I spent the next 10 days in isolation. So you go into hospital with something else, you end up with COVID and then you're 10 days in hospital. Now, anyone going into A&E you know, you're, you, we know now you're going to be there for at least, they're telling you 20, it could be 20 hours, it could be 24 hours. That's a day. That's a day. So in that day, you have to have something to eat because you mightn't get a sandwich. You have to sort out childcare. If you have childcare, you have to ring your work if you're there with a child. There's a lot going on in one day. You're not just waiting there. There's other things in your life that have to be sorted out. Uh, waiting on a chair for 10 hours with a seven-year-old overnight. This, this one really got to me. Now. Waiting 30 hours for a brain scan in A&E with bright lights and noise. I was told it could be dangerous if I went home, but I was left for 20 hours with no one checking up on me. So they initially went in, they got triage and then 20 hours waiting. Now, this, you're on your own and you're scared, and especially for elderly people. My mother, who's 84, spent five days on a trolley. And even then, the only way to get a bed was to transfer her back to Ennis Hospital. Limerick is not fit for purpose, not even close. Now, I could go on. There's, there's a lady in Nina sent us a message actually onto the page and her daughter was sick. Uh, they rang the doctor. The doctor was closed at four, which she didn't know. So she went to the chemist because that's what they tell you to do. Go to the chemist, get some advice there. So she went down to the chemist. They said, no, you need one to need to go to Nina Hospital. So she went to Nina. Her, bear in mind, her daughter was very sick. Went to Nina Hospital. Uh, the doctor said, no, you're going to have to go to Port Leash. And she was watching me go to Port Leash. I'm telling you now, go to Port Leash. Do not go into UHL. You'll be there 20 hours. Go to Port Leash. And this is like a month ago. So Port Leash's numbers have been creeping up as well. Now, anyone can see these numbers. I get them on the INMO website every morning. You can get them. All the numbers are there. None of these are made up. They're all, you know, these are all legit numbers. Um, another one here, uh, he was left on a trolley for three days after having a stroke because there was no beds available. Waiting on a trolley in a very frightening and unsafe setting. And people are not going into hospital. They're not going in. They're going, no, you know, I'm, going, I'm not going in there. 
because they know what's going to happen. It's very, very scary. It's very frightening. And this is only my opinion. I think it's going to get a lot worse. I can't see this. This is this has gone progressively worse year after year after year. How long have we been here talking about this, Frank? I know. Years. And Kenny was going to, you know, get rid of the scandal of patients on trolleys in 2015. We're here in 22, going into 23. It's not acceptable. And is there any aspect of the survey where people say, here's what needs to happen? Well, what people are saying, they're venting, which is totally fine. In, there's no question in the survey to say, what would you think you should, should happen? So we don't have that because that's not... We know you alleviate the pressure in UHL emergency. It's, it's, it's in an emergency. In an emergency, what do you do? You fall downstairs, you break like, what do you do? You panic, you ring someone, what am I going to do? How am I going to get, what am I going to do? You go into hospital. So you think, go into hospital, I'm going to be there and I'm going to get my legs strapped up, I'll be grand and go home. That's not what's happening. So to alleviate all that, reopen Nina, Ennis, St. John's, whatever, reopen and reinstate and upgrade, which is what should be doing with the, the HICWA report. We're still waiting, like Stephen sent in a, a team mm. to find out what's going on. Where's the team? The team isn't there on Saturday nights when the place is packed and you're there with your sick child and the child's crying and you're sitting on a trolley. We all know what it's like. It's, it's very frightening, as I said. Yes, and with your other hat on you, which is Nina needs uh, A&E, yeah. um, have you got any clarity from somebody? Why? Because it appears to be the answer. I mean, yeah. you know, open, as you say, St. John's, Ennis and yeah. Nina. Yeah. Have you got any clarity as to why no. that won't no. happen? We've had no, we've had no clarity. We're getting um, you need consultants, you need this. Uh, you know, the money's there, by the way. The money's there. The money has always been there. The money has always been there. So I, for people saying there's no money, the money is there. The government has the money. The money's there. They need to invest. They need to invest in consultants, in nurses, in the staff. The nurses are running out of the country, friend. They're running out of the country because they don't get paid enough for the work they do. The nurses in UHL, they're on, like, they're, you know, a, a couple of people were saying, oh, the nurses were very snappy. They're snappy because they're wrecked mm. and they're working under stress. Yeah. And people are asking them, look, can I, and they can't do anything until a doctor signs it off and then there's no doctors because it's the weekend. Invest, invest in our healthcare because what's going to happen in another couple of years, people are going to start dying, which they have done. But you see, invest is fine, but we are investing huge sums of money. Where? Well, in the hospitals. But the, it's not. H&A, yeah, H&A. but it's not. It's not. That's fine in the hospitals. But this is for emergencies. Yes. So it's great. We've a new, they're investing in Tion opposite the hospital. They're investing a whole new, there'll be physio and all that. And that's fantastic. It's great. And it's right across the road from the hospital and where the new nursing home is. And that's fantastic. It's brilliant for the town. It's great. But it's not emergency. So nine o'clock at night, you fall down the stairs again. There's no emergency place for you to go. So you have to travel. And now it seems people aren't going to UHL. They're going to Port Leash or Ballinasloe. We're now blocking up these hospitals. Like, it's not just UHL. There's hospitals all over the country mm. that this is happening. Yes, well, we heard Connor's story just before the news about what was happening in Clonmel. Yeah. And again, it's just unforgivable. It's, it's unforgivable. And it's... What I need to say, like, people give... Like, I give out, but I'm doing something about it. So if you're disgusted, if you've been in hospital and you're... Email your, your, your local TD, your local politician, tell them, ask them, what are you doing? You're my, I voted for you. 
what are you doing? Help me out. Help help Tipperary people out, Limerick people out, Clare people out. It's going to get a lot worse, Fran, because... Are people dying because of this? Oh, yeah, people have died because of this. Yeah. I don't have those figures now in, the, in front of me, but people have... We've heard of people dying. And it was... I'm telling you, it's going to get worse. The country... We've more people in the country. More people have medical cards and they're entitled to them. More people are going to be getting sick. It's going to get worse. Just... It's going to get a lot, lot James uh, tells us four years ago he brought his wife to uh, Clonmel Hospital. She had pneumonia. Her doctor in Limerick, where she was foreseen, told her not to go to UHL yeah. or she could yeah. die. She got seen in Clonmel within an hour. It saved her life. Now, so she got seen in Clonmel within an hour because there was no overcrowding in Clonmel. Mm. So, like, when you see something like that, your brain is automatically saying, right, so we'll open somewhere else so then we don't have to have that like UHL is a fantastic hospital I've been there we know people who've been in there yeah. it's a fantastic hospital Nina Hospital is a fantastic hospital it's a great hospital upgrade it reinstate everything get your consultants get your uh, your um, heart ward all that kind of stuff yeah but first of all Tanya you, you have to get somebody have to, to get admit that the ideology around the centre of excellence doesn't work. They're not going to do that. The, like it's it's like management should be looking at UHL and going, this something's not working here. Yeah, but sure, aren't you they know. replicating it somewhere else? Yeah, in the, in the, they're in just the pushing it on. Then you yeah. see, we're just pushing it on. All right, how do people get involved with the survey if so they have a story to tell? If you have a story to tell, or your family, or like we all know somebody, so you can go onto our Facebook page, which is Nina Needs It's A and E. The link is on that page. It's also on the Midwest Hospital Campaign page. The link is on there as well. Or if you're not on Facebook, or, but you do have a phone, you can actually just Google Monkey Survey or Survey Monkey and click Midwest Hospital Campaign. And it because I did that this morning, and it comes mm. up. It takes literally two minutes to do. Yes. As I said, there's twenty. And questions. are you publishing those stories online? We will. What we well, what we will be doing is next week. What we're trying to do because you have to do the shock tactic. You have to do the shock yeah. factor because that's what gets people going. So we will be putting up a few of what I've read out. Now I've kept that like there's worse than that I kept that nice for today because the toy show's on it's you know we're in a good mood let's stay in nice in a good mood some of the stories are absolutely as I said Netflix documentary they are disgusting horrendous you wouldn't want your you, you wouldn't want your mother or your father in there or any of your family in there so uh, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell your story I suppose tell your story and get we need the statistics There's, we need to say well this is what's happening these are the people this is the numbers, this is what's happening, right. and we need the stats, we need the Just stats. Just give us the specifics on it. You go on to surveymonkey.com. Go on to surveymonkey.com, type in Midwestern Health Hospital Campaign, and it literally just comes up. Were you a, were you a visitor at UHL yesterday? Yes, yes, recently? Yes or no? Well, why did you go there? I, I had a broken leg. Uh, how long were you waiting? You put down how long you were waiting. How did you find A, B, C, D? Literally takes two seconds, but write down your. Please just don't right. put yes or no. And write this down is a your very experiences. important part of the fight, isn't it? Oh, this is yeah. huge, important, uh, huge for the fight because um, we were going to uh, submit these. And can I just say as well, it's an anonymous survey. Okay. But we also we keep we have the IP addresses they're captured just to prove that it's a the, testimony of real. and the, yeah, and they haven't yeah. been manipulated. And just before I let you go, Tanya, the latest on Nina Hospital. I mean, what the are latest, you hearing? The latest on Nina Hospital. What the latest on the on the campaign is. Is like we're going to get these results and they'll be submitted as part of our response.
response to the petitions committee. They met on the 17th of November and they decided that they will hear our petition once again. And the petition, of course, is to reinstate the hospitals. Uh, so they're going to hear it again once the Minister for Health has responded and they're still waiting on his response. Just, so, one, just, just a couple of what you, you want to see what's coming into me here. Uh, it's not just Lemery Clonmel. This is a yeah. bad 2019. I was in hospital in isolation in the A&E after 48 hours. Oh, the porta toilet was full yeah. and I couldn't get anybody to empty it. Yeah. The water was flowing out yeah. onto the floor. None of the time with my special needs son, not even a cup of tea to me as his yeah. care in 10 days. The worst part of it was the restaurant and the shops closed on Saturday. And Sunday. See, this is, this is the thing. There's no, so you've got, you've got a vending machine. There was old people crying out to use the toilet, soiling themselves because there's no, you know, the one toilet between so many people. Right. Uh, people and these are the stories you referred to that you didn't. That I didn't. You that didn't I didn't. Like there's, hun- as I said, there's 368 stories there and that's only in the last 15 days. So I'm right. urging anyone who's been in the hospital or family has been or you've been waiting, please do the survey so we can get the stats and we can move it on and it'll push our petition and that's what we want. We want Nina Ennis reinstated and upgraded because we need right. it. We need it in the Midwest. Surveymonkey.com. Surveymonkey.com. Tanya, really good to see you. Thanks very Thank much you, indeed. We're live from Nina today. We'll take a break back with more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. We're coming to you live from Pier Street in Nina. A listener says, my daughter waiting four years to see a specialist in Waterford about her ears. I'm waiting four years to see a pain specialist in Cork. And I keep getting letters asking, do we still want to be on the waiting list. 0833113311. Now we spoke to Therese on the programme yesterday about her frustration that her electricity credit doesn't apply to her account because it's co-joined um, with her gas bill. Now Martin Lynch got onto us straight away uh, after the programme and Martin is a parliamentary assistant to Michael Lowry and president of Cashel Chamber of Commerce as well. Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, Brian. And really good to talk to you today, Martin. And thank you for getting on to us yesterday so promptly about this. Do you understand what's happening for Therese? I do, Fran. So basically in the budget, it was announced that a domestic electric credit would be allocated to people Mm. through their MPRN number. So it's not possible for utility suppliers to provide that credit across a joint account because the way the government have paid the credit is uniquely through your MPRN number and not just through the provider to cover all costs on the bill when they're co-linked with gas. So, so is, there, is there anything that she can do then at this point? Well, I suppose the first thing is she'll get a total of €600 in electricity credit. Whether it takes her six months or 12 months to use that credit, that credit will be there for her. So she'll still get the benefit of €600. If she is having difficulty with her with her energy costs for gas, the fuel allowance scheme there is there, and if she qualifies, she can apply for the fuel allowance. And in the new year, the rates for fuel allowance are changing, and it's a criteria, the means test. So she may be applied the allowance for fuel allowance now, but in January it will change. So it's possible in the new year she can apply for support from the fuel allowance scheme. So is she incorrect in thinking then that the allowance is kept by the provider that's supplying her with both gas and electricity that is sitting in their account and can't be applied 
to her uh, electricity, the electricity aspect of her bill? It won't sit in the electric provider's account as such. It will go onto her account as a credit. So she got a credit of €200 in November. She gets a credit of €200 in January. And she gets a credit of €200 in March. So her account will be in credit by a total of €600 between November and March. Right. The electric provider will hold on to that money and then just give it to her when they think they need it. Right, but she won't miss out on this then. She won't, which, sorry, friend? She won't miss out on this then. No, because she won't miss out. The information she got from the provider is leading her to believe that she is going to miss out on this. No, she won't miss out. Every domestic electricity customer will get a total of 600 euro in credit. Whether right. that's used straight away or used over a period of time, that credit will be added to her account and will be on her account until it's used. All right. Are are you hearing uh, stories like this, that there's a bit of confusion out there, Martin? Yeah, people presume that it was just a €200 Euro credit on their bill and didn't realise that it was specifically for the ESB access deck of the bill. So there right. was confusion at the start. And we did get clarity on it. And the response we got was that the, the credit will go towards their electricity bill and it will remain on their account until it's used. Very good indeed. Now, I think you agreed to speak to Therese and give her some uh, personal um, advice as well, Martin. Yes, unfortunately we didn't get through yesterday. I hope to get through to her at some stage today and I'll provide her with the same details I'm providing you now. All right, you're very good. Look, great to talk to you today, Martin. Thank you and uh, good no morning problem. to you. Bye-bye to you now. It's Martin Lynch speaking to us there. Martin is Parliamentary Assistant to Deputy Michael Larry and, of course, of Cashel Chamber of Commerce as well. 1800-938-007. UHL is an utter disgrace, Fran. People are not treated with dignity or respect. Phones are not answered for worried relatives who are not allowed to visit from time to time, just uh, ignored if you complain. Answer given, sorry, if we didn't meet the level of care expected. It's inhumane. It's the only word to describe the way some patients are treated. I would not go there. I would sooner die on the roadside, says one of our listeners. Now, on a happier note, Tip FM, delighted to work with the St. Vincent de Paul on our annual Christmas Toy Appeal Christmas as you know, it can be a very challenging time for families and every child deserves something new and shiny at this time of year. Now your donation of a, a new toy will be added to, to the hampers uh, distributed by St. Vincent de Paul. And I'm delighted to say that in our Clonmel studio, Kieran Stafford is there, South Tipperary uh, Area President for St. Vincent de Paul. Kieran, good morning to you. And uh, you're very well. I can't hear you. Probably some whoever's there needs to just put on your your mic, and uh, that'll be better. Can you hear me now, Karen? I can hear you perfectly. Oh, Brian. that's yeah. that's that's much better now, th- indeed. Th- th- thanks, thanks for having me on. And uh, I, just before we get into it, I just want to say a word of thanks uh, for the fantastic job that you're all doing in Tip FM um, on behalf of, of our local communities. I really think that we would be uh, in a much worse place if it wasn't for you. Well, we're we're delighted to do so, Karen, and thank you for for those kind words. Indeed, how important is the toy appeal? Uh, it's really, really important. Um, you know, uh, we were here last year. The year has gone around very, very quickly. I think this year, more than than uh, previously, uh, people are under so much pressure from uh, the increase. You know, the cost of living crisis. Um, toys 
unfortunately are way way down the list in in uh, uh, priorities for, mm. for for people at the moment. They're thinking, you know, will I heat the house or will I put food in the cupboard? Will I pay the rent this week? So, toy, you know, people that we're visiting, uh, we're asking them about Christmas, and they they just simply say to us, we haven't even thought about it yet. And normally, uh, you know, uh, on experience, uh, people would have been so well organised, you know, from maybe six months ago, three months ago. Uh, now we're finding that people just do not have the income. We've working families with people on social welfare, people who are really, really struggling. Um, so toys are way, way down the list. Uh, and it's really sad um, because we all know and we all feel, you know, that, that kids should be um, uh, recession-proofed. Mm. Kids should be, uh, uh, you know, have that thing, that one thing to look forward to in the year, which is Christmas. It's, it's so important to them. And before we speak about the appeal itself, what are you seeing on the ground? I mean, is there the great difficulty for families at the moment, Karen. It is, yeah. Um, you know, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen a number of recessions, a lot of, of, of uh, uh, difficulties back to the time when, when uh, we had the banking crisis. Um, but this is really horrendous. Um, I mean, the bills have just gone through the roof. Um, we're seeing people, you know, who are saying, who, you know, using electricity and gas meters, they're saying now that they're getting three days from, from a voucher that normally would have get, got them seven, eight, nine days. Um, uh, and they're just having to wait till the next payday to top up again. Uh, we're going into cold houses. Uh, we're going into houses where people are struggling with with the basics, with food again. Uh, and it's all everything is 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 just so costly. Uh, the rents were already extremely high, and people were struggling with that. So now we have the utility bills, we have the extra cost on food, um, and it's really really uh, impacting on families and and uh, causing a lot of stress, a lot of difficulties. Yeah, and it's easy to forget it because we get caught up, Karen. I suppose, with the whole business. Like today, for example, you know, Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday, and we all want to spend money and get bargains and all. Sometimes we can forget that this is happening in our in our society, in our communities. Yeah, um, you know, there are a number of, of, of people who are very fortunate um, and, you know, can ride through these storms and, mm. you know, have enough income um, and, and good luck to them. I never uh, uh, criticise anybody who works hard and, and uh, uh, earns their money um, and spends it as, as they like. But I think, you know, as a community, we really need to think about the others. Um, and, and in fairness, um, uh, people do so, so much. Um, I mean, every year that there's a crisis, the public respond magnificently to it. And I don't expect this year to be any different. Already we are seeing um, incredible donations um, uh, sent in to us. Somebody um, last week dropped in a voucher for 500 quid for one for all voucher. We were able to give that to a family within days. And it's already taken the pressure and taken the the the, uh, the, the hardship out of their Christmas. It now means that they can uh, uh, get all the stuff that's required for the kids, get everything that they need for the house. So the public are, are magnificent. They always respond. Um, and in fairness, people do understand and do appreciate just how difficult you know things are for 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 their their their, their fellow people in their communities. So with the toy appeal, then, Kieran, what are you looking for? Um, so the old favourites are always the best uh, board games uh, cuddly toys are great for toddlers um, because um, you know they don't mind if they get a teddy or, or if they get something you know from teddy tubbies or something like that um, they're, they're brilliant to be able to give out um, books are fantastic um, we always try to, to say to people think of books you know it's a great gift that you can give to a child Lego is always a, a, a big favourite board games always a big favourite because it's something that, that can be given to the family and the family can can uh, um, uh, you know participate in uh, 
Um, one thing we always ask as well is that um, please remember the teenagers at Christmas because they're the ones who are always pushed to the back. The small sure. kids are looked after first, but the teenagers quite, can quite often um, uh, have to go without, you know, because uh, there's so much pressure to, 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 to provide, you know, sanity for the smaller kids. Um, so we, we, we do ask, if possible, to, to uh, donate some vouchers so that we can give a, you know, a one-for-all voucher or, or a, 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 you know, a, a local um, a, a chemist voucher if, if it's a teenage girl or whatever it really does mean a lot um, and it's great for them to have uh, something that they can look forward to over Christmas and after Christmas And just for clarity Kieran, what you can't accept? Well we can't accept second hand toys, uh, electrical items because you know on, under health and safety we, we can't yes. give out something that we can't stand over uh, so uh, new uh, in its package um, we, that, that, that's what we ask for. Uh, I know in some cases uh, second-hand toys can be absolutely perfect and we can take donations of second-hand toys you know later in the year we can mm. uh, you know either sell them to the shop or we can kind of give them out uh, to, to, to different community centres and, and, and places like that where they, 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 they need them but for this appeal um, if, if we could get new toys in their, their original package uh, that would be fantastic. Jigsaws as well sorry I, I, I meant to say they're sure. always a big favourite yes. as well. And the drop-off points, I know, Tip FM, uh, needless to say, Gurton Floor Business Park in Clonmelon here in Nina's. Well, I'll just run through these really quickly, Karen. Uh, Bursa Lee, Shanahan's Centra is there in Bursa Cane. The Spar uh, Store in Care, Dolan's Super Value in Cashel, Morrissey's in Carrick and Shore, Cleary's Hardware. Uh, also top line there in Feathert, uh, Jimmy O'Sullivan's Pharmacy there in Nina. O- O'Connor's uh, Kenyon Street Market as well in Newport Ryan Centre in Rossgrave Bernie's Super Value Templemore O'Connell Centre Thurless Stakelum's Toys Parnell Street and in Tipperary Town Super Value Tipperary Co-op uh, Kieran, I wish you well with this and I know people will be their usual generous selves but it was never more needed Absolutely um, and just to say that, that from last year's appeal um, the difference that, that made to the families that we were visiting uh, the pressure it took off of, of the people and the smiles it brought on so many children's faces. I'd love if people were able to see that. It really does make a difference and I really do sincerely thank you all so much. All right, Kieran, lovely to see you. Happy Christmas to you and yours and thank you for dropping into us uh, today. Uh, We're live from Nina today. We'll take a break uh, back with some live music in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Very welcome back to Tip Today. George was on to us and he says, Fran, we can complain about housing, health, uh, heat, food, poverty, the government... Uh, all the answer is with spin and more spin. They're not capable of fixing anything. It's gone beyond the crisis at this stage. Well, again, looking at the screen in front of me here, that certainly appears to be the case. Now, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by singer-songwriter from Nina, James McGrath. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, friend. That's lovely to see you again. I think it was during the summer we spoke last. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We were in Denny's Kitchen. Yeah, you were live on one of our outside broadcasts. Yeah, and that. thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. You, you have a new single... Almost out. It was meant to be out today, I think. It was meant to come out yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, okay. Simba. Right. It's an old song, but uh, it's recorded now proper in a studio. We've done it in Newcastle under Lyme in England. Right. Yeah. With uh, Jim Kirkpatrick and Scott Ralph. So it should be out next week. Right, okay. So, um, so a bit of a delay on that. Yeah, a small yeah. bit of a delay. It wouldn't be me without a hiccup. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, recording in uh, Newcastle uh, under Lyme in uh, UK. Well, why, why there? Um, Jim Kirkpatrick um, was playing a lot in 
in Nina, and uh, that's just where he's from. Right. So uh, they brought me over there, and um, it was, that's where the Coal House Records, we called the studio. And, uh, yes. We just ended up recording maybe seven or eight songs. It was back at the time I done the eight cans. Yes. Yeah. Eight cans single, and we done maybe recorded seven, eight songs, and we're now going to release them all, so... Very good indeed. Yeah, was it a good experience to work oh, with Jim there and all the? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just it was just so different. And like having so many musicians around, we actually the girl that played um, strings on it was uh, played strings for a band called Elbow. Oh, Lord, so, like, yeah. we, we were around good, good people. Like, uh, that's, cool, yeah. that's for sure. And uh, particularly, I love the strings uh, with Elbow. Yeah, uh, those arrangements are just just. Yeah, gorgeous, if you listen to my song, uh, "The Saint." Yeah, the string section is the same. Is it that, that, for elbow. So it's that sound. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. wonderful indeed. Yeah. Um, so what? What is it? I mean, will there be an album eventually as well? Eventually, I yeah. would. I would. We're looking at an, an album next, maybe May. Yeah. But uh, we're, we have four singles planned now. So we have Simba coming next, and I am. I don't know if Jim wanted me to say, but I think we're going to do penguin documentaries in January or February. Oh, very good. And uh, there's two more, and. Uh, I'd say people could guess them. If anyone's a James McGrath fan, they <laughs> know. know the big one. They'll uh, know, yeah. yeah. You appeared recently, I know, at Whistle This uh, at the Monks in, in Thursday. You're doing so again very soon, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, that's my favourite gig. It's genuinely gig, my favourite gig. Yeah. Um, the 16th of December in the Monks. Yeah. Tom Lyons and all yeah, the lads. Yeah, because we to Tom and Nora. Yeah. Um, Jester are playing as well that night. I can confirm oh, that as well. Great band, so, great band. Um, that should be, I'm really looking forward to that. Is there beginning to be an audience for singer-songwriting. Is it developing a bit, do you think, at this point? It is, and Tarlis yeah. seems to be flying it with it. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think I think music is really on the rise, original music. Yeah. There's some buzz around again. There, there seemed to be a lull there for a few years, but now it seems to be back. There's a scene again. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. it's thriving again. Yeah, I'm delighted to hear it. I, because I that's, really think it is. That's, that's what yeah. we need. The health hasn't been so... No. So good with you, James. No. Well, what's the story? I have Crohn's disease. Oh, Lord. And uh, it's very active at the moment. I've been in and out of hospital. I only got out uh, last Friday. Right. I was in for two weeks. And before that, I was in for two weeks as well. And um, so Crohn's is uh, putting a little bit of a speed bump on everything. But other than that... It's yeah, it's a, a debilitating old thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm back in Tuesday now to, for a check-up and they're doing a case to see what way we're going forward with it. So. Yeah. Does it, is it an impediment, I suppose, I, I should be saying, to what you're doing? Does, is it holding you back a bit? No. No? No, no I'm lucky. No, not, not in the music. Not really. Yeah. Can, I have, it has made me stop some gigs when I've been sick. But yeah. other than that, um, I can go, I can get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and are you able to use hospital time to to be creative and yeah, to, yeah do you I write wrote songs a lot of my new songs in hospital did you? yeah a big hello to the nurses in uh, Nina hospital and doctors they're actually and everyone the right. dinner staff the whole lot they look after you oh they're lovely over at Nina yeah, yeah from porters up to consultants they're all lovely isn't that, isn't that yeah. great you have a guitar with you it's a, I do I said I'd bring one yeah <laughs> I, I always think it's a pity to ask musicians at this hour of the morning to, to, <laughs> to sing but we'd be delighted if you would James you're not going to do the single you're going to hang no I think we'll leave you? the single yeah. for next week um uh, we'll leave Simba for next week. All right, okay. Um, so you're going to do a cover? Yeah, I think I'll do one that my mother likes. This is called uh, a George Strait song, I Can Still Make Cheyenne. Oh, that's a great song. So uh, I have, yeah. Hopefully I can do some sort of version of it anyway. It's for all the great country music fans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks Fred. You're welcome, James. <laughs>
Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I came across it. Um, yeah. I, came across, I only came across it recently and I couldn't stop humming it. Yeah, yeah. And I was always one to say, um, never sing a cover when you can sing your own. Yes. But I said, I might as well sing the song I'm humming in my head. 
Yeah, and, wh- and why not? And yeah. and you're thinking of your mum with that because yeah, she, she, she likes that. Does she, yeah. Yeah. I love George Strait anyway. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. He's straight out. <laughs> but the main thing is to concentrate on your own stuff and um, yeah. as we, we'll, we'll play Simba when, when it's out. Thank uh, you. So it's li- going to be out next week and I'll, I'll have the link for you. All right. And, and I, I look uh, forward Simba. to it. And there are versions of Simba online already. So right. um, it's, a, it's an old favourite of mine. Yeah. And um, the version we've recorded in England, I'm very happy with. So right, hopefully well, people will be happy with it. We're looking forward to hearing it. But uh, the other thing to keep in mind then is whistle this at the Monks in Thurlis on the 16th. The 16th, 16th. yeah. 16th okay. of December. And um, one other thing I'd like to say is I've been so unorganised. Uh, my music's all over the place. But my <laughs> friend Alex uh, has put all my songs onto a YouTube channel, kind of where it's all together. Excellent. So it's uh, James McGrath or, or YouTube.com forward slash James McGrath Music. All right, and so all the stuff is there. All my stuff, that's kind of where to follow me now on. All right, brilliant yeah. indeed. And we're doing, um, when we repeat stuff at Christmas, uh, we'll be putting uh, some of your performances on it uh, as well. So we're looking forward oh, to, doing, so to, much, to doing that. Oh, thanks so much, Thank James, always a pleasure. And my best to your dad, an old friend of mine. Uh, take care of yourself, James. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, thanks very for much. Me. And best of luck with the, the health as well. Uh, news and information is on the way. We're live from Nina today. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We're coming to you from Pier Street in Nina today and it's time for our Friday panel and uh, delighted to welcome Imelda Walsh back to us. Imelda, former North Tipperary IFA chair. Ryan O'Mara is with us. Fianna Fáil, local area rep. And John G. O'Dwyer with us, author, lecturer, walker and now indeed chair of Tipperary Tourism as well from which he's making millions, I would imagine. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing it for the money. You're, you're only in it for the money. Like, like, like the very jazz musician. He was in it for the money. Yeah, you can't be it. It's good to see you all anyway. Thanks very much indeed for coming in uh, to us today. Lots of stuff to uh, get through. Uh, Timmy Hammersley, a former uh, Tipperary uh, hurler, of course, was on to us during the week and he told us a story about how he confronted guys who were behaving in a racist manner, uh, manner in um, uh, a supermarket uh, towards two young gentlemen of colour who happened to be wearing Irish colours at the time because it was post post uh, match and he stood up to the guy and he made him apologise and all of that. But I'm wondering uh, about this. Amelia, can I start with you on, on that? Do we need to do that more? Do we need to confront the racism that's sometimes obvious in places? Indeed we do, Fran, and I suppose obviously, look at it, as most people are afraid to confront that they're afraid of themselves being attacked. Yeah. And unfortunately that's the way it is. But I think, Fran, this needs to begin in schools at primary level. And it needs to, it, it just needs from, from a young child upwards in relation to inclusion, everybody, an inclusive society, it's becoming far too common and not just in relation to race but across many, many things we'll say whether it's relationships, um, whether they're gay, lesbian, uh, transgender or whatever they may be, across religion across everything, it's becoming and it actually appears to be getting worse rather than better. I was going to ask you that a minute. I think it's think becoming that, yeah. much, much, much worse and people are becoming more vocal and obviously with the social media platforms and the trolling and all that goes on with that in relation to racism and everything else, it, it certainly does. But it's, in, I think it's important for all of us to speak up when we see something that's wrong and that takes courage. But the, look, at, to me, evil tries when good people do nothing. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a knownness in all of us with saying that, to be, to be the voice, to yes. stand up and say this is wrong with saying that because the vast, vast majority of us 
as people would say we're decent human beings so the, as a majority if we don't speak up for the small minority we're failing as citizens as, as human beings as decent human mm. beings in relation now, to how we treat people Timmy did make the point Imelda don't put yourself in danger though I mean he, oh, without he, a doubt, he's exactly. a fine big strapping uh, without, fella exactly and, you know, but obviously like you know if something is happening we'll say after people come out from a pub or a nightclub or yeah. something else and there's alcohol in, in, in the situation that at times like that obviously we'll say you're you're not looking it's, it's yeah. dangerous to do so and, and there's nobody going to do that and that's where I suppose we rely on Angarda Siakana yeah. but sadly we saw what happened to Angarda Siakana in the absolutely. past number of days dreadful really attack, dreadful absolutely it? dreadful and this you know and it being I suppose played all over social media and those guys are you know and I mean guys in terms of, yeah. of both men and women yeah. and they're promoting this and everything else like if 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 we don't deal with this all of us together and support on guard the corner and support each other in respect of this like the whole fabric of society will fall us under yeah Ryan what about you where this is uh, concerned I mean is this something that you can contain or is it going to be always there regretfully um, I think there will be some element of it there, but I think it always has to be challenged. Yeah. Um, I actually, I saw Timmy's tweet over the weekend, yeah. I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday I saw it, and it got a huge reaction. Mm-hmm. And I fully understand why, because even reading it, it was like, wow, someone actually stood mm-hmm. up and did this, which is a very brave and courageous thing to do as well. And isn't the usual thing when you confront a bully, of course, they just fall apart. So your, Absolutely, man, yeah. your man did yeah. go back yeah. in, he did apologise. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that is a big step. That yeah. He went that far, whatever about being challenged, but to go as far as apologising was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I think a huge amount of this is it's based in ignorance, it's based in fear, it's based in uh, lack of understanding of something different. Um, And like as Imelda said, bringing it back to schools and bringing it back to kids from a young age and realising just because there's diversity and we live in a multicultural nation now, just because there's diversity, just because there's difference does not mean that's a bad thing. Mm. And people need to be educated on that from a young age or otherwise you get this fear, you get this mentality that they're different, they should be treated different. Now, in terms of challenging it, as Timmy said, don't put yourself in danger. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have yes. to you have to know the situation and you'll never know what reaction you'll get. Um, but I, it does have to be challenged. Um, and even conversations, when people actually start saying this stuff out loud, and I'm going to go to another topic quickly, but when you had that priest from Kerry yes. talking, and it was all over the, the airwaves, and when people hear that rhetoric and that line of, of talk, the free speech element actually works in a way because the reasonable person on the street starts to realise, oh my God, that is ludicrous. Mm. And the same if we start having debates and discussions around racism and what is actually happening to people who are in a minority in this country, we'll realise how hopefully most people will realise yes. that, that that type of logic, that type of action is no longer acceptable. John, as an educator, where, where does this come from? Where, where, well, what's the, the first thing I'd say as an educator is this, that in fact I deal with a lot of overseas students and I talk to them all the time. And when I'm speaking with them casually, they find the general situation is that they find Ireland is a lot less racialist actually than other European countries. And if you think about that really, and I'm kind of a little bit proud of Ireland here, mm-hmm. I'm bad for Ireland, you have developing across Europe a hard right. Mm. Okay, mm. you have Maloney who's basically following Mussolini mm. in Italy. Yes. You have Le Pen in France. It's racialism dressed up in the hard right. It's all across Europe. It's in Germany as well. Now we have some nutters on the far right here, but we don't really have it. So in other words, they say generally speaking that they have been well treated. And to be honest with you, if I was to paraphrase, I'd say they fell on their feet when they came here. Mm. That's not to say there is racialism. But remember, myself, 
I, as you know, would often have gone travelling to Scotland, uh, mountain climbing. Now, it was, it was very rare. On one occasion, we were racially abused over there. But that doesn't mean the Scottish people are racialist. Right. We were also racially abused in North Wales on another occasion, once off by a drunk in a pub. But again, you wouldn't want to think that they're racialist societies. And it also happened to me in London as well. You'll always, as you say, have some racialism. There will always be some around. I don't right. think you can. And, it comes uh, from fear and insecurity. And about. your experiences, was that just because you were Irish? Oh, yeah, wasn't absolutely. It? Yeah, yeah, we got, you know, you know yeah. one, the, I'll tell you Rangers what was about. We in, were in over Scotland, there climbing. You remember, and uh, you know, uh, there were seven billion. Do you remember the UK gave us seven billion? And you know, what, do you remember they gave us seven billion to the bailout? You might oh, remember yes, of that. course, I do. Yes, that? yes. That's what they were talking about there the seven billion. You so and so was over here spending our money, having a good time, this kind of thing. So and so off back to Ireland now before I'll show you where to go. That kind of thing. That happened to us over there. So there are always nutters. And you know, if you went to soccer matches in the past, yeah. there'd be terrible things said, but it was between the Irish people, so it wasn't dressed up right. as racialism. So we have to stamp it out, keep it, keep it the way it is. But I generally feel Ireland is relatively good on this. We've got to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Certainly, the foreign students we've had uh, don't find that it's, you know, in my experience anyway, that it's a daily or a common occurrence in Ireland. But, of course, in an ideal world, it should never happen. Right, OK. But you're saying that we shouldn't make too big a deal of it that, by comparison, we're, we're not too yes, bad. Yes, I think we it? shouldn't. But we should definitely oppose it in all possible areas. But I think, then, as people become you more used to a multicultural society, I think things will uh, straighten out. They will work a lot better in, in society. But I don't ever think, you know, I don't think uh, you can ever, there will always be people who get drunk outside a pub or whatever mm. and will, you know, use racialism. And, you know, they might attack somebody from a foreign country, but they could just attack an Irish person as well. But we have no place for it, yeah, certainly. It's, There's no doubt about it's, that. It's interesting, though, the protests in North. Uh, in North Wall in, 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 in Dublin and you know for a lot of people legitimate protests that you know communities need to be informed about the amount of refugees coming into them and I think that's a very fair thing to ask but people then use that Imelda and, and certain elements jump on board yeah. that to, to cause trouble. Without a doubt friend. and to me I find that hugely concerning but say in relation to the people coming into the country yes. fleeing a war um, situation and everything else and I think there are, there are elements within those groupings that attach themselves to those groupings in, under the guise of protecting the communities when in actual fact they're trying to incite hatred they're in, mm. in, in, into people uh, And they're using fear They're using they fear and this too, like we, we yeah. go back to World War Two, and we say the, the, the rise of Hitler and everything else and it became about migration about we say homosexuals, about Romans, about all these yeah. different things and you instill fear, it's the more than like I suppose when the UK decided to leave the, the, the EU yeah. it became about migration, it became about everything other than what it should have been about o- also and for, them. Us and yeah. them, exactly, yeah. and that they're yeah. going to take us over. And the whole fear factor, and it, it's hugely concerning. And, and look at, while it mightn't be huge in this country, it's like everything, if situations aren't nipped in the body, if enough of people don't speak up against it, it will grow. And, mm. and we needn't delude ourselves that that won't happen. It will happen. Yeah. Do you have a fear of that, uh, where 
the far right or loonies as, as John referred to, um, that they do use occasions of, of legitimate protest. Almost to, definitely, to, yeah. 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 Um, you see it a lot when there is talk in an area of, of an asylum centre going in or direct provision or yeah. something along those lines that mm. a community has legitimate concerns and a lot of time the, the concerns are just do we have enough school places, do we have enough GPs yes. when, they come, when these new people come into our community, will they be integrated so that they have a home here and it's not an us versus them and there might be a public meeting about it or a community might gather and you will regularly see far-right yes. activists. I, I remember, um, I'm, I, I'm not sure if it was before your your, your time, but up in uh, Bursa Cain. Yes, I was actually going to give that example. Yeah, I was because thinking of that yeah. also, yeah. Bursa Cain managed that entire situation Man, so brilliant. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I remember, but there was an attempt. Oh, was, there was, was yeah. There, I, yeah. I remember I was in college in Dublin at the time when all that was going on and I yeah. was following it. And at the same time that Bursa Cain was setting up this centre, there was a place in Roscommon, I think it could have been Ruski in Roscommon, where a hotel was burned down That's that right. was supposed to hold refugees at yeah. the very same time and I remember reading I think it was an Irish examin examiner article at the time comparing the two and the way the community in Bursa Cain took this on and they even gave the example of I think it was the Irish Nationalist Party tried to come in and take over these yeah. meetings yeah. Yes. and the community yeah. essentially said no get no. out of our town yeah. you're yeah. not welcome here and that I was so proud reading that at the time to yeah. say that my local area my local community would be so good in this way and say these people are welcome but let's figure out how are we going to do this as best as we can yeah it's interesting we, we don't learn very much from history, do we, John? I mean, uh, you, yeah. you, you mentioned the rise of the right once yeah. uh, once again. We don't learn anything. We don't learn anything. And, and that always fosters itself during times of fear and yeah. uncertainty and vulnerability, doesn't like it? Like now. Like now. And I think we live in dangerous times. I agree we have to stamp out racism because we live in dangerous times. There's a lot of, com of parallels here between the, the 1920s and the mm -hmm. 2020s. Yes. You have instability around Europe, you have war, you have a growth of the right, you have a growth of nationalism. Now you have inflation, the loss of, 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 of the value of money. Those were all the conditions that firstly brought Mussolini to power in Hitler, Italy, yes. Franco to power then in Germany, and, sorry, Franco, Hitler to power yes. in Germany, and then Franco after That's a Spanish. terrible Spanish civil war. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think society is fracturing, and we've got to build bridges. I think we have a cohesive society, a more cohesive society than anywhere else uh, in Europe. But the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. We have mm -hmm. to keep an eye on the people who yes. come into and try incite communities when they're at their most vulnerable. vulnerable. And you know, and that's that's the way I see it. So we're going go well at the moment, but we're in very, very dangerous times. And the the, twenty, the 2020s could lead on to the 1920s, the collapse of society and a move towards totalitarianism and even in ourselves we had a small movement here we had the blue shirts and we had Ono Duffy now the Irish people didn't take that to their hearts and I think that's probably the good sense of the Irish people I think as well they won't take the right to their hearts e here either but we, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance Alright we'll take a break uh, panel staying with us we're live from Nina back in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
Welcome back to our Friday panel of John G. O'Dwyer, Ryan O'Mara and Imelda Walsh. I should have left the mics up there. That was extremely interesting during the break. <laughs> I, I can tell you. You're more wondering now what uh, we're saying. I can tell you now. Yes, uh, our solicitors would have to be involved, I, I, I would imagine. Um, a temporary uh, club, uh, Drum and Inch, proposing drug testing to be extended from inter-county level to clubs on an appropriate uh, scale. Ryan, will you start this one off uh, for me? And I spoke about this uh, during the week and people making the the point that these are amateur mm-hmm. players mm-hmm. but being treated possibly like pros mm-hmm. and, and being having to be made available for drug testing and, and the other. What, what do you think of this, first of all? Is it necessary? It's, it's a mixed one for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, very much a mixed one. I don't yeah. have a straight answer on it, to be honest, because that is one of the biggest issues with the GA in a way, is that they're all amateur players, but they are treated and act like professionals at all times. Yes. I suppose partly because GA players um, are the leaders in our community a lot of the time. Um, but from the drugs point of view and the massive crisis we have in this country with drugs, especially among young people. Mm. I think there are certain groups, well, as many groups as possible, that will have to take leadership on this issue. Um, And for me, testing and punishment around an issue is only one element of it. There has to be a huge part in relation to drugs that is education and education-based. Yes. And I think that's where we're continuously failing. I couldn't get clarity on what the sanctions would be if this was introduced in in some way. But they were mainly talking, when I was talking to Trevor, mainly about Mm performance-enhancing drugs Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to recreational drugs. Are you concerned that that could become an issue? Because there's such an amount of competition now. There is, yeah, and there's also a pressure to be bigger and faster and stronger and all the rest. And Again, that's putting enormous strain on people's bodies. Um, and it just it just seems wrong to me that there could be that amount of pressure in an amateur sport. I mean, all of these lads and, and young women, they're, they're trying to work jobs. They're trying to have yeah. a life outside of it. And I, I don't know how they balance it as well as they do. But to think that they could be under so much pressure that they'd have to take performance-enhancing drugs is just, right. it's, it's off the and, scale. And do you think that's a real issue? Um, for me, the bigger issue is recreational drugs. Okay. Um, it really is, um, and and I see it regularly. You see it on nights out. You you see it among groups of people that you would never expect to yes. be touching some of the substances they are. And it's because it's become such a societal norm now. That's why it's such a concern. Because to me, it links links directly back to so many mental health issues that we have in this country, and so many youth suicides. And mm. for me, that's the primary concern. And it all goes back to education to begin with. That education around drugs policy can never just be don't do this, don't do that. You know, say no to drugs, that's not enough. There needs to be a proper educational programme. I, but I have to say, I, I think there's never been as much education around, uh, yeah. around drugs and it's it's just not working. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I, I think it was hit and miss when I was in school, to be quite honest, and it's, it's not that many years ago yeah. since I was in school, um, but I think it, it's very much hit and miss and some people maybe need to be taught about it in other ways other than just don't do drugs. Yes. Um, and I think the likes of getting speakers into schools or into clubs um, because sometimes maybe a school environment isn't the best but somewhere like a GA club could be to get people in who are maybe recovering addicts or mm. who have gone through that battle or have lost loved ones who have gone through the battle and actually get a human side out of just saying don't do drugs, they're bad for you. Mm. Yeah, John Lahey, of course, the great John Lahey, yeah, is yeah. very vocal about this mm-hmm. and I know that he does workshops uh, on it and, and that kind of thing as well. Uh, John, are you, are you surprised by this, yeah. John? 
a little bit, I suppose. I was just going to say, you were saying it was hit and miss when you were in school. I think if myself and Fran were in school, it was definitely miss. Which we <laughs> the only drugs we had was junior aspirin. Do you remember? Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, I suppose my thing would be, if it ain't broken, don't mend it. I think the inter-county players are all being tested. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. And I have seen almost none. Once or twice it came up, but it seems to have been a mistake. Mm. So that seems to suggest that inter-county players, there isn't really a major drug problem problem there with inter-county players. Are inter-county players all virtuous? I don't think so. Mm. I think they've just figured out that they wouldn't, the risk isn't worth the gain involved mm. in it. In other words, if you're a 100-metre sprinter, all about power or weightlifting, you can gain a lot by using drugs. I would suspect that if you just bulk up hugely using drugs, you will actually be not a stronger player after and that. Slower, and they probably, have figured yeah. out. In other words, yeah. I'm saying is there's no drug, I think, that will make you a better hurler. So I'm not sure how this would work. I mean, there are four, I, I reckon there are 700 clubs in Tipperary, 14,000 players. Does this mean, is it senior club? Is it uh, the, the, the yeah, we going from the Dan Breen right down to the Orion Cup? Are we going to start testing, you know, number two junior players, a fellow 44 with a bad back who's stuck into the corner <laughs> because he can't <laughs> run? And do they, are they going to be testing him for EPO? You know? So I don't see and then are you going to go down to minor players and then what about are, is this going to test for recreational drugs are you now becoming taking over the role of a policeman yes and then if somebody, and how would that stand up legally I'm wondering I'm not sure well, it would yeah. and what happens then if somebody is tested for recreational drugs and then their employer says I don't want somebody using recreational drugs and they get fired you get me there are huge implications out there in the community and let's face it probably yourself and myself are the exception but among the young people out there there are huge numbers of people who are using recreational drugs but if that were brought out in, in open society I think that would you know so GAA players would be held to a much higher standard than we'll say players who play squash or badminton or something like that so I see a lot of dangers I think it's easy to say this but really before you bring in something like this you have to think through the legal consequences and the reputational damage and mm. how much anyway would be gained for that. Is there a way of making yourself a drug that would make you a better hurler or a better footballer? I'm not yeah, sure. I think it's actually on the books technically that they can do it in fact but whether or not yeah, they would. Is, yeah, I mean, that yeah, is, yeah, is I it. So are you saying to me that in the morning if they decided to do this according to the rules of the GA, yeah, they could go Yeah, I ahead. think every player has signed up to those, so right. technically they could. But just actually, if I you just mentioned there, John, about the would the GA or these coaches become police of, of yeah. drugs or whatever, I would see it as the complete opposite, that if you look at a young person who's sporty, fit, doing very well on the field, probably quite popular, um, looking well, you think they have everything going for them. So then if, they're, if you find out they're taking, especially rec- recreational drugs, you have to ask, well, why are they taking those drugs? And it, for me and young people, it always has to come back to why are young people taking drugs? What are they trying to avoid in life? What fear is there or what is driving them to do that? And for me, in a club like that, which is a, a club is so, so close, especially if it's like players or teammates or with their manager or their coach, mm. if they're able to pull them aside and have a talk with them that's in no way policing, but as in like, what is going on in your life? 
that has you doing this. Can we help? Can we get you past this? Wouldn't that be very healthy and, and responsible? Yeah. And as it's, well. a, it's a different yeah. approach that is not being taken properly. Imelda, you know, and as a mum as well, I'm very interested in what you think about this. I look at, I agree with both the lads would say in respect of this. I think it would be a dangerous road to go down. When you consider like any of the lads that, and girls that play, play whether it's hurling for whatever sport, yeah. it, it may be, we'll say that. They're doing it for their, for their club, OK? And let's be honest, we'll say, any of us go out on a Sunday and if two teams are playing and some lad plays badly, we all can be quite critical of them and everything else. These are young lads and young girls that are going out there doing the best they can for their club and if they're fortunate enough for their county at, at, at perhaps at, at the same time. Um, it's, I wouldn't be in favour of it because it's it's an amateur sport for starters. They're not getting paid. It isn't the case of that if somebody performs brilliantly well for whatever club will say in that and, and they're on the temporary team that because of their their their, their, their achievement that they're going to be taken by, we'll say, Kilkenny or Limerick mm. or Galway or whoever was saying that. It's the pride of the parish and everything else. So I would be concerned in relation to going going down that road. Look, at the recreation drugs to me are a far bigger yeah. problem and why young people feel the need to save them. And not just young people. Like We've, we've all, professional people, would say, with, with very high positions in life and they're using recreational drugs. And what has happened to us as a society that mm. in some way that we need to take drugs... To, in order to be able to de-stress and everything else. Of course, John, the biggest drug is alcohol. That's right. And, and that's completely tolerated, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, remember we walked around the park in Temple Moor. I do. What did we do after that? We, we went off and we had our recreational yes, drug. We I had know. a pint each, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that is the thing. I mean, that, you know... I bought it, by the way. They say something... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we finished up then. We never had another one. <laughs> <laughs> Only the one. He wants me to buy back. And yeah. But isn't it... It's, I, I it's, don't... You see, I wouldn't buy it for you because I don't <laughs> deal in recreational drugs. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's the great thing that is not spoken of, isn't it? I mean, it it, when we go to celebrate at club level, or whatever level, guess where we're going to end up? Yeah, you know? well, you, before you get too judgmental, when a new society has been formed, food, clothing, and, <laughs> and shelter, and the next thing they look around for right through history is some kind of a recreational drug. Right. And sometimes it's approved by society, kind of anyway, like alcohol, and sometimes it's disapproved of society, right. like cocaine. But you know, but that is. That's I didn't how see that on Maslow's. Uh, Order of knees. I didn't see a drug. Yeah, 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 yeah. The tire seemed to have missed that point as well. <laughs> to be fair. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, it is one of those things, and that seems to be what young people use now, uh, rather than alcohol. But they are always, they, they all sit into very much the same category. And we have to. There seems to be some kind of a chip built into people that when they, you know, when they let go, when they want to let go, they tend to use a, a, a recreation to alter to our minds in some way. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's, it is mind altering. You become more relaxed and that kind of thing and mm -hmm. most people can manage it but of course the problem for young people is the recreational drug they're using is now illegal now I, my personal belief is this should be dealt with in the way, uh, way the rest of the panel are saying it should be as a medical issue if there is a problem there if, the, if it's creating a problem for them I don't think you know, I, I'm not sure up. if it's always a medical issue I think it's availability Ryan yeah. 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 yeah widely available yeah. Yeah. Widely, yeah. yeah there's no issue in, in accessing well, I asked lads in the college, I wouldn't ask where, but uh, how long would you take me to get get a line of cocaine for me, say, half an hour? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that might be at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And, and uh, do, 
does that surprise you? I mean, you know, it I mean, does. I know we hear about it all the time, but does it surprise you? I think because you're, yeah, we're kind of on, I mean, how I can go around so much and it's all around me and be totally unaware of it. Absolutely. You know, yeah, likewise. That's Absolutely. Kind of yeah, same yeah, as that, yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah. uh, that seems to be the thing. And you know, the way it's coming in, the guard, you will come and say, we, we confiscated a million euros worth of cocaine at Dublin Airport last night. But you know that in the following week, as far as I can see, I've not over the, but that the same amount would be available on the streets. You don't, it doesn't affect the, not the, just the streets. Not. So yeah, no. I think the, the war on drugs certainly hasn't worked. We have to find another way. And I agree with you, mm-hmm. sitting down and talking with people and maybe saying if you continue on this road, the kind of damage you do it yourself, mm-hmm. but the collateral damage all around as well mm-hmm. as that, you have to look at that as well as that. All right, okay. Let me take another break. We'll be back with our panel in just uh, while it's 11.35 right now. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back to our Friday panel. Imelda's with us, Imelda Walsh, Ryan O'Mara and John G. O. Dwyer. Now the World Cup, all the controversy of course surrounding the games. Um, are the fans still watching in huge numbers? I think they are but it's very politicised and should it be? Imelda, do you want to take that one okay. for me? First of all I mean, are we talking more about politics than we are about uh, football? I think we're talking about both, Fran, and I think look, at there's probably an opportunity there, I suppose sport and music are probably the two things that cross all genres, cross all races, cross everything, we'll say that. So there is a there is an opportunity here, I suppose, to to cast, I suppose, an eye on, I suppose, the inequalities, what's going on um, in Qatar and we we'll see what happened to migrant workers there, I suppose, in relation to women, I suppose, society as a whole over there and across that whole Middle East um, region. Um, I suppose I have huge admiration for the Iranian players the other evening that just kept them out shut, we'll say that. And then we have, we say, players from other countries because they might get a yellow card, we'll say that, like that, that, you know, that they... Um refuse. I, I, and I can understand that but mm. I think there's an opportunity here for the, the few weeks, the month that it's on to cast a spotlight on it. It's, I think it's always good when people are talking about the, the, the all the wrongs that are going on and while still enjoying the sport, you can still enjoy the game. But, that, we say, but outside of that, it, there is an opportunity here where the world can actually focus on what's actually the wrongs we'll say in that. And I, I've just found the FIFA um, president the other day in relation to um, I am African, I am gay, I am this. Like, What planet was he bloody well on? We'll say in that. Like yeah. in in respect of and that he was bullied because he'd red hair. He'd red hair, yeah. You know exactly. Like it's it's just making little of the the seriousness of the issues in those countries and what's what's going on. I think like there are the like music and sport are the two things that cross the world in relation to. We'll say where it doesn't matter um, what color, what breed, what creed, what sexual orientation, any of those things mm. that you are. We're saying that and that they reach to those people and you can still enjoy the sport, but it, it does give the opportunity to highlight the issues at this time. Is there not an awful amount of hypocrisy though, Ryan, because I see that one of the the top construction companies is an American company, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, mm-hmm. these workers were last working for a construction Absolutely, company. Absolutely, yeah. is, is there yeah. a huge amount of hypocrisy? Yeah, well, I guess you, you reap what you sow as well, and I mean that FIFA or UEFA is probably one of the most, if not most corrupt, rotting organisations on the planet. And the mere fact that this World Cup is even in Qatar in winter to begin with is a prime example of that. Like, I remember when it was was announced years ago, people couldn't couldn't believe it. it. And it was obvious that the reason was Was announced. Was it 14 years ago, was it? Was it that long, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's because a lot of envelopes passed hands, as simple as that. That's why why it's where it is. Um, And it is completely hypocritical. Um, But I, I think... 
they're dead right to be shining a light on what's going on in Qatar, particularly the treatment of the migrant workers and the enormous amount of deaths that were there, and also the, the treatment of both LGBT people and women in right. Qatar. You, you know that Qatar are saying, and, and I read this out yesterday, and I, I'm paraphrasing it, but they're saying that, you know, this number of deaths is, is normal with such enormity of a construction programme. Does, does that sort of... Right, OK. How many died building Croke Park when they redid it? No, uh, well, well, how many stadiums? are we talking about here? Yeah, we're, talking, we're talking about huge I, I, I don't know how many when, we, yeah. when you build a stadium anywhere else around the world how many people die I, yeah. I don't think it's in the thousands I don't believe that for a second they had the same argument that oh they changed all their labour laws and made everything so much so much better for workers they didn't maybe it was on paper but in practice absolutely not I mean migrant workers who had travelled God, through God only knows what to try and make a bit of money and then were working in, in essentially desert heat for months on end um, with horrendous living conditions or horrendous working conditions and then at the end of it all there's the whole world sits back and watches this lovely tournament as if all of this hasn't happened. Right. I think people should feel uncomfortable while they're watching it yes. to think about what happened but to people. But still, at, at the end of this World Cup, people will just march away and we'll forget about Qatar. Yeah. Again. I mean, yes. it'll all be that, over, yeah. you know, and they'll yeah. go on their merry way and mm-hmm. we'll go on our merry way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah, And then it'll be on to the next place, yeah. yeah. It will and there'll be some issues there. But I think football is always political. It always is. I mean, it's, there's always this... Um, there's ads or programmes or events in matches where it's, you know, anti-racism, um, anti-LGBT rhetoric, like that's that's the norm in, in matches now. It's choose respect kind of thing. So the fact that it's been highlighted during this World Cup doesn't surprise me at all. Right. And like Imelda, do you find it unfortunate to that, with fear of the yellow cards that players... That Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the very famous tweets when it became apparent that all of these captains weren't going to wear the yellow card. It was, well, they're not afraid to dive, they're not afraid to abuse the ref, or even they're not afraid to take off their jersey if they score a goal at some stage, knowing that there's a threat of a yellow card but yet they were afraid to wear the armband with the threat of a yellow card like I think what it would have been very admirable would have been if an entire team stood with their captain and yes. all went out with the armbands on and see will the ref and yellow card all really 11 players powerful, yeah. Yeah. or do it on both teams and see will the yellow card everyone yeah, yeah. an interesting one um, and I'm sure you'll be offended that I even mentioned his name George Galloway and he's he's taken this as a, he says this is a sovereign country they don't want drunk drunks rolling around their, their stadia they don't want drugs rolling around their, their city. Um, is that not fair? Well, I think there probably is a certain point about it. I mean, we do, I suppose, jump for the moral high ground yeah. all the time. But remember, when when I was in college, I was I was living with some law students and they were dealing with this, that homosexual acts in Ireland were illegal Illegal. up to 1992. Mm -hmm. So when we went off and celebrated out in Italia, anyone in theory anyway could be picked up and put in jail here in Ireland. So, like, we are slightly in glass houses in this Absolutely. And, of course, what Tatar are hoping is, if it's not on the media, it doesn't happen. And after the World Cup, the media will all move off and they'll go off somewhere else. Something else will happen and it will be all forgotten about. You remember about a little over a year and a half ago, Afghanistan was all in the news. The yeah. media have moved on. You don't hear one thing about it. The media have even moved on. We are discussing that here from COVID and you hear nothing more about it. Mm. And they're banking on that and they're, they're absolutely right. But I do agree with Ryan. I think a great opportunity for these players to make themselves, write themselves into history. Mm. And I have a vision of the captain coming out with the armband and the 10 players standing in solidarity behind him. 
and the ref, have, will you, have you now, will you walk over and give this guy in front of the stadium a yellow card before the whole world? That's what I would have thought of. And that would have been an iconic photograph. I think it would have been similar. Do you remember the guy in Tiananmen Square that stood in front mm, yes. of a, a tank? Yeah, they, they would, it would have resonated around the yeah, world. Yeah. But these yeah. guys, I don't think they think along those lines. They'll take the knee when it doesn't cost them. And the yeah. second yes. it costs them, they're like frightened rabbits. They have disappeared. They, they just disappear over the horizon on this. So I think a great right. opportunity but, but was forgotten. let me be devil's advocate on that. These are guys playing soccer. I mm. mean, why do we want to put so much on them in terms of reacting to the likes of Well, the... I, I think they suggested it, that they were going to do this. Mm. They suggested that, and then they backed off of it. And we have to look back at principled people, how people stand over their principles. Look at the Irish War of Independence. What did those guys put on the line? What did Sean Crazy, what did Danny Lacey put on the line? They put their lives on the line yes. for an ideal. These guys won't even put a yellow card. And I think that if they had brazened it out and the next team did the same thing and the next thing, those yellow cards wouldn't long have been re rescinded. Yeah, I, w I wonder what effect that would have had on FIFA though, you know? Um, which, uh, I, which 100%, to me, the, the player the, the teams that refuse to wear the band it's the bloody egos the, the egos yeah. the size of Crow Park mm. and that's the long and the short and, and the next I suppose we say whoever's um, sponsors are sponsoring them and everything yes. is we have the Iranians that are going back to a country where, where all human rights are in very very low um, importance and they had the courage not to not to sing the national anthem and the and the crowd in the stadium booed mm. And, and they had the, they could and they had the an extremely, extremely high, high price, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We have players coming back to civilised societies and they hadn't the courage of their convictions. Mm. It really disappoints me. There's a missed opportunity here in respect of standing up with saying that because, as I said, like sport is the one thing, it crosses, it crosses every, every sector in society. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the thing, can you imagine if there's this young soccer fan at home, maybe 13, 14, 15 years of age, yes. And they're starting to realise, oh, hold on a minute, I'm maybe not straight or maybe I'm gay or lesbian mm -hmm. or bisexual. And they're looking up to these soccer players and they realise one of their heroes is going to go out and wear that armband and stand in solidarity with them. Yes. And then it turns out that, oh no, they've actually decided to drop it because they could get a yellow card. And then half an hour later, they're probably diving in the penalty box anyway. Yeah. And then there is also the other fact that what are, like these would say, okay, they're sports players, they're there to be sports players, they're in positions of leadership and it's as simple as that. But even if they're not in positions of leadership for the, their fans, they're on a team of what, maybe or a squad of maybe 30 players. Statistically speaking, not all 30 of them are straight anyway. So they're not even standing in solidarity with the people they're going out on the pitch with. It's a very good point. Isn't and they're role indeed. models, right? Mm, yeah. They're role models, we say. Mm -hmm. And young people, they look, we, we look up to, to sports people, we look up to music. There's a whole range of people that young people look up to and they aspire to be. Mm. To me, it, it's a missed opportunity. Does it amaze you that for the last, what is it now, but 12 minutes we've been talking about the World Cup without mentioning <laughs> soccer <laughs> at, at all? Are you a soccer fan, John? Not really. I think soccer has one disadvantage, and I'll tell you that. It's it's grand to watch it, you know. Yeah. But what you have to do is watch a really good hurling game, Absolutely. and then switch yes. over to a soccer no match afterwards. No and then you see it is true. So I'm afraid, no, I'm more of a hurling, a hurling uh, fan. Um, I then will find 
follow football and rugby to some extent, I, these nil-nil draws, you know, really get to me. And I was up there having lunch and I was looking at, you know, up in, in Murphy's in Templemore having lunch and I was looking at um, Korea were playing Europe. I was looking at this. I don't <laughs> care who wins this. Seriously, <laughs> 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 the goal last night was amazing. I do though, care who wins the All-Ireland. I do care who wins the All-Ireland. Well, everybody talking about that, uh, I think it was a Brazilian goal last night. It was just a piece of beauty, I believe. Not that I'd know anything about it either, but there you are. Um, before we finish up, let's talk about today being Black Friday and how important it is. Melder, are you online all morning? Are you oh, running in and out of shops? Yes, God you? Almighty, knowing me as well as you do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sweaty I'm, I'm, I'm Exactly, sweaty <laughs> She might be affordable now. See me saying that. All oh, no, I, I know, remember oh, sweaty Exactly, <laughs> good man. Right? All I know is I got an image this morning on my phone. This jacket is reduced from 100 euros to 65 from my daughter. So the way it said is, obviously it was Black Fridays. What yeah. do you think? I mean, that's what do I think? By that stage, was in the bag, it was bought and paid of for anyway. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think, I think in ways it's probably a bit, there are probably maybe some bargains out there, but I think a lot of stuff that maybe businesses have that they want to, to offload, yeah. that the Black Friday to 20, 30, 40% of stuff that would say, you know, they want to get rid of and they just reduce it. There are, I suppose, we'll say in that, but then I suppose, sometimes I suppose people perhaps spend money, I'm, I suppose, are mindful of coming up to Christmas. Mm. A lot of people will say, in particular this year, with the cost of living crisis, will say, spending money on their credit card that they actually can't afford. Mm, and that, that would concern me, we'll say in that. I think there's too much hype about it, we'll say in that, to be honest about it. Um, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, we'll wait until Monday, there's better offers on Monday. You know, it's, it's the madness of it all, we'll say in that, because I think Black Friday is like everything has gotten earlier. I think it started earlier in this week saying that yeah. with the Black Friday reductions but it does concern me um, in a year when, when people are struggling so much out there yes. you know and, and all the hype and talk and a it. lot of what we heard yesterday was that there's manipulation of prices here Ryan yeah, as well yeah, and, yeah. and I see know. some websites and they don't do it as much in Ireland because our market is smaller some companies will actually run price comparisons where they'll tell you the sale price and they'll tell you what the price was two, three, four weeks ago so you yeah. can find out <laughs> if you are actually getting a deal or if they put the price up last week to bring it down this week mm. Um, but it really is. It's just Americanization of, of, of that, our culture and our society. That's the genesis of it, isn't it? It, it is. It's it's because today is the day after uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's yeah. Black ah, Friday, you right, know. So, yeah. like, well, what does it have to do with us? Like, we don't necessarily yeah. celebrate Thanksgiving well, it's here. A I mean, you open the papers today. It's full everywhere, of yeah. Everywhere, Black yeah, Friday. It's so everywhere. Everywhere you go and, and, and your news feeds, yes. on the phone, everything, it's, it's, it's all Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. also the first time, I suppose, that retail is open in the last couple of years on a Black Friday. So that's another... I'm thinking back of America but over the years you see the queues of people we'll say people know, yeah. leaving their, after their lunch on Thanksgiving going out to queue we'll say for, for 24 yeah. hours to, yeah. to get you, the You'd do that I'd say John would you? You'd, <laughs> you'd be a great man to queue up you for know, I, I think I started at midnight you know <laughs> <laughs> No absolutely not as you might expect No I'm not a great yeah. person for Black Friday I think we're better off without it I think initially it was promoted by Amazon and it was mm -hmm. a way of selling online and I think actually while everybody is sucked into it I think that the local retailers lose out. Mm. They don't yeah. have the power. They can't bring in those kind of lost leaders. And I think they're the people that lose out. And it's mm. really promoting all this conspicuous consumption. And I think people end up buying a lot of things they don't want, which is bad for energy consumption, bad for the green agenda, bad for sustainability and everything else. Mm. So can I pop in here with my own top and safety worth? I just think I'd love to see that maybe it won't be this year, but maybe next year, that there's Friday 
after uh, Black Friday, we'd have Local Friday. Okay. Yes. Like and we'd have it. a huge amount of promotion, and you guys would be central to that. Mm-hmm. And you would say, let all the businesses put their best foot forward here. Give a cup of coffee to people, come in, or a bun, or whatever. And, you know, and we would all, we would all kind of, as a society, say, we are going to visit our local shops. It would be a Local Friday. It would be a celebration of community. I would what love to see idea. that. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. 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 Because, Brian, you that. know, if we, if we don't support our local businesses, we're going to lose them. We're going, oh, to, we're going to lose yeah. our rural towns. We, yeah. we see the pressures that's on them. And, like, I am concerned, I come next year, that in relation to many of our, even particular hospitality, with the cost of energy, mm-hmm. the cost associated with that. But we lose them, Amanda. That, that we may lose them. That yeah. they may, you may find they're only open the second half of the week. I, I, I am concerned in respect, and I certainly wouldn't like to see it happening. And while we all go on online spending in the high streets, mm. it's in our local communities. Our local community, this is us. This yeah. is us. This is us. This is our community. Yeah. And there's no, it's, it's, it's more like lots of things that we've lost. And we see it particularly in villages, the, the, the yeah. corner shop or the post office or the butcher shop or whatever. And uh, say particularly that, the know, online thing means not, not only is it, Lost to local, but it's lost to the country, country. Ryan. Absolutely, course, yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think who who needs the money more, Jeff Bezos or, or your local shopkeeper? Exactly. Yeah. You know, your local boutique or your whatever you're going in for. Like, who who benefits more in in Nina, for example? Yes. An, an Amazon employee. There aren't too many of those around here. Maybe a few remote working. I don't know. Not a lot. But, but all but of our John, local John, local can shops. you blame people though? For saving a few bob, you see. I mean, it's grand to think, okay, I need to support local and it's vital to it. But, it, it, you know, cost of living, difficulty. Yeah, I, su- I suppose I don't. And you mm. are in extremely difficult times. I don't think you can bring it down uh, to the individual. I think that, but I suppose that people should be conscious of the fact that, you know, there's no reason to make Jeff Bezos any richer, you know, <laughs> yes. this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And maybe you may even buy the same product, but you might be able to substitute Mm-hmm. A, a, another product that would be equally good that you can find in your local shops. I mean, I was talking to some of, some of the students in class and they were talking to me about some pair of runners, and I forget the brand name, 450 euros. Oh, by, sweet you know, and I'm just thinking, wow. that's just marketing. They're being manipulated. I'm sure you could buy an absolutely excellent runners that would function in exactly the same way for less than right. 100 and euros. And you get better service in Sportsman's yes, Dream as well. Making them yes. insecure, they feel insecure. I'm not whole as a person unless I'm wearing these kind of runners, mm. and that's the power that's, of marketing. That's marketing, that's marketing, marketing does. And yeah. um, before we go, can you will you put on your your, your hat of chair of tourism? Twenty twenty three. What's it looking like locally? Do you think? I suppose it's it's looking uh, better. Twenty twenty two. I think the overseas numbers into Ireland were down uh, down about half. I think we've a long way to go. I think the thing is we have as you're talking about, we have lost a lot of businesses as well. And the problem for Ireland is, unfortunately, ours we had the longest lockdown, you know, and it went on much longer than anywhere else in Europe. Mm. And a lot of people have simply exited the business. And there's a particular problem in Tipperary with big numbers of B&Bs. So we're trying to promote it. But if people can't stay overnight and they have to move on, the benefit isn't really there. So I think we have to bring up the demand again. And then I hope that, you know, the supply will follow the market and people will see benefit mm. And getting into it. But I mean, you know, don't think that lockdown won't have ripple effects that will go on for four or five years. Yeah, it's interesting. Amelia, would you go along with I that? I concur with that 100% with yeah. saying that. Like the, the lockdown it did was saying people got used to even, would say, shopping from home, all of these things, buying online. And it, it, it's, it, 
to the detriment, I think, perhaps now of our local towns and villages, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's amazing people get out of the habit of doing something. Suddenly it's easier to go online and order it, we'll say, and everything else, rather than going in or coming into the town and having the, the cup of coffee and, and the whole thing that goes, goes with that. It just kind of broke the habit it of it as well. It broke the habit, well, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. like everything, like, you know, it's, it's mm. when people stop doing something. And a lot of elderly people in particular that kind of yeah, stopped and going and back to yeah, their, their social yeah, occasions. You know, exactly, because yeah. I hear people saying even with the different things, whether it's bingo or whatever, yeah. saying that, that, that the same amount of people haven't come back. I even see it at Mass on the Sunday, was, you mm. know, and um, not that I'm there every Sunday, mm. with, but by the same token, I see a lot of people that used to come to Mass no longer come with saying that. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and I'd say some of it is fear in relation to COVID with saying that, but some of it is people got used to logging on the, on the, on the, the laptop course. and different churches and different priests yeah, and, yeah. and like it, and, yeah. you know, just the security and the safety of their own home and it just, it just oh, became right. the norm to a certain degree, unfortunately. Well, there we must leave it. Excellent panel. Thanks to Imelda and to Ryan and to John. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, and that's Thanks. it from us uh, for today. From Nina, thanks to Emma who produced. Ali looks after our content. Stephen's on the way with the time tunnel and I will talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye now. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.